Welcome to the Binge Watch Podcast, where myself and my friends will sit around and talk about the TV shows that we like, how we watch them, and more importantly, why we watch them, and we'll try to capture the natural flow of our conversations that this group of friends has been having over the course of the years. Oh, and did I mention we have drinks? Now here's Fall Into Flux from their album, From the Outside Looking In. These high school girls, yeah, they get older, age. I stay the same age. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but that age really isn't that good. No, not, no. Maybe maybe college level, but not high school. No, I mean, not the girls. I mean, your age, currently. <laughs> when you're creeping on the parking lots. <laughs> oh. What's Man, that? I'm just so I'm I'm so disappointed for you for losing that session. That uh, sucks. That's two sessions, dude. I know. Lost, I know. Lost peel sessions. Yeah, it's at 36 seconds. Come on, Meemaw. Meemaw has got to make a poopy. <laughs> yeah. God, I'm so sick of waiting on her taking a, a dump. Make a poopy. Dropping a deuce. Oh, <laughs> she comes shuffling out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, before she started eye pooping, she could be the speed pooper of all time. Eye pooping. Eye pooping. Checking your phone while you're doing the deuce. <laughs> you don't know Sometimes the eye poop term. Eye pooping term. No, I, I've never heard the eye pooping term. I mean, I know people read magazines and books, and I know people take their phone in there, but I didn't know there was a new eye pooping term. Yes, it's uh, patented by Ron Shockley. Eye pooping turd. All right, we're recording. Okay, is it going for yeah, real? Hopefully. As BS as that may sound, <laughs> I don't. We don't be- believe you. I don't believe you, Mister. <laughs> okay, welcome to the podcast, bingewatchpodcast dot com again. Again, yeah. welcome again. The re-recorded Reboot. version. Boom. Yeah. Paul yet again got so drunk he knocked over all the equipment. <laughs> or, <laughs> or, or Brian. Alternate just, theory is this one again is Brian just didn't record it. That theory cannot be proven. <laughs> so, what was that? Thirty-five minutes gone. 40. So we have Paul, the bearded wonder. Hey, what's going on? Ginger. Hola. Who missed last week? And Jeez, she really wants to talk about how this week how. Big of a huge thirty seconds to Mars fan she is, and she runs a website and support and does all that. She loves David Caruso. She and loves Stevie Nicks. She loves Stevie Nicks, David Caruso, Nickelback, Jared Leto. I mean, who don't like Nickelback? That's right. Uh, all of us. Yeah, I mean, that's like a for. How are they so successful? They sell out all these arenas and everything, and like they have so much hate out but there. But yet, there's websites dedicated to the hatred or the suckage of that yeah. band. I know. Nickelback sucks. It's so crazy. Yeah, and, I, it, and it's it's you know you, you take one song for what it is, but it's like they sound all their songs sound exactly the same. Yeah, it's formula. Yeah, now What's I got to I got to read my joke because it was lost on the uh, on the last session. Was... Well, Ron, welcome to the podcast, and please redo your joke. <laughs> okay, hi everybody. It was on the Nickelback subject. 
That's a joke. Nickelback, so, Nickelback so, walks into a bar. What did they do in the bar, Ron? There's no joke, Paul, because murdering music is not funny. That's not funny at all, Ron. Oh, wait. Need there's Nickelback. The joke? <laughs> right. Right. That's exactly. the point. Yeah. That's yeah. The point. Okay. I- insert 30 seconds to Mars is in a bar. <laughs> what do they do in the bar, Ginger? <laughs> what is it, Ginger? Can you tell I, I us something? <laughs> <laughs> there's no joke because they suck. <laughs> something, something, Jared Leto. Something, something, Mark Caruso. Yeah, so the, so we have to. Uh, I can no longer use the word phenomenal. Oh right, why? Why is that, Brian? I don't know. It's been retired. Yeah. It's been banned. It's, you know, it's like Jordan. It was so good in its time. That's right. Yeah. And we will be issuing big word alerts for know. Paul. Yes. Confabulation, what's, confabulation, whatever you said last caveat. Caveat. <laughs> uh, Brian, what's words? Fabrication. Brian, what's words? What's words? It reminds me of that Beavis and Butthead episode. They're trying to, there's like sub- <laughs> subtitles on the end. He just looks at it and goes, words. Yeah. <laughs> that was the joke or the, the, the theme for Michael Hughes. Right, yeah. When <laughs> he was reading anything. Words. 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 He doesn't read because it's full of words. Words. <laughs> that, had, that had strange cryptic handwriting on that page. That's, yeah, this, that's this words. reading wouldn't be so bad if it wasn't for all these words. <sighs> I would love to read if it didn't make my yeah. brain hurt. Can somebody read it to me, please? And, and uh, last but not least, we want to apologize to David Caruso and all of his fans. <laughs> Man, you all kicked, three of you. Dude, you kicked him square uh, in the nuts so many times last episode. We apologize for all the bad things we said no, about him, not really. no, his we don't, career, we don't apologize. and his movies. <laughs> Because you love yourself some Jade. And congratulations <laughs> on his new band and its success, Nickelback. Nickelback to Mars. <laughs> Featuring <laughs> David Caruso. Yeah, starring David Caruso. Yeah. He's just going to take off his sunglasses and look. And leave on another pair of he sunglasses. He could be the introducer. And opening is Wesley Snipes. And, oh. And, now and Will Smith. Playing the spoons. <laughs> I think it's funny how we're, we're piecing the missing session together. Just little. Yeah, just right. get it all in there. Just, yeah, we're just kind I feel of like, I feel jamming like, it in. I feel like Indiana Jones up in here. <laughs> we are searching. Well, uh, better so, get in the refrigerator. Raiders of the Lost Ark. So do you want to basically just. Uh, yeah, start with your like, BBC stuff. So. Yeah. So uh, last week we had talked about. Um, Careful, how how production companies uh, America versus BBC. BBC is uh, the biggest of the big over in uh, the, the British UK. broadcasting. That's company. how I introduce myself to women. I'm the biggest of the big. <laughs> I'm the tiniest of the big. <laughs> so uh, BBC has been around for 92 plus years. Uh, they have a long track record. Brian has talked in previous episodes about just the outstanding amount of content that they put out. Every year, um, so I was curious about what their, what the, how their system works. That was the interesting thing is that they, for all this time, they did things in a certain way. They have com- commissioning rules. They'll let anybody come to them with a, a story pitch idea, but they have you know it has to go through channels uh, and basically don't call us, we'll call you. Uh, they will you know they will get back and let you know within a couple of weeks, yay or nay. But they have just a ton of content that they had. They they sift through, and that was the interesting thing that I was when I was looking up the uh, the information uh, on how they commission. Uh, they are going to start. Uh, they're going to start spinning off productions that they don't actively pick up for BBC. Um, they're going to start doing um, 
uh, rather than just airing BBC shows, PBS will now co-produce its own BBC shows. Um, I got this off the AV Club. It's uh, it's about eight to ten new programming specials across roughly twenty hours per year with PBS. Um, Is that not including Benny Hill re- reruns? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to start doing the, the mariachi song there for a second. I was like, that is wrong. Yeah, it was a yakety, yakety sack, yeah. Bruce Randolph. Yeah, 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 where they all running fast. And there's yeah. always some lady with her boobs shaking. <laughs> that has to go across that's the screen at some cha- point. That's who they're chasing, though, right? In all those scenes? Uh, that's either Benny Hill God or any Games, Game of Thrones episode. <laughs> I'm begging my sister. What? Jamie Lannister. Oh, okay, okay. I thought we just had a, our first big uh, breaking news story. On, uh, it'd, be, it'd be news to my mom because I don't have a sister. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, yeah, so they, um, instead of setting on top of all these shows that they can't produce, there was a, uh, some of the articles I was looking at, um, BBC, their in-house units were having to lay off people. Um, so they're just going to uh, spin properties out. And get them out somewhere. And this, this all ties back into what we was talking about with Hulu, Netflix, prime. They're hungry for content. So there's, instead of sitting on top of this content that they can't produce in a timely fashion, spin it out. If it's successful, they get a cut of it. So, yeah. And like I said, many, many times before we are in the golden age of television, if watching TV shows and finding good stuff to watch, it's entertaining and kind of keeps you, keeps you going. Um, there's no, there, you know, that type of news um, is is fantastic. Twenty hours though, does that mean twenty? Is it going to make a like two shows, ten episodes or something? Did it go into any detail on that or? No, it was very very sort of top line. Type right, of they probably don't even have a real game plan, but it's cool that they're going to do that because they've got all that stuff that they're sitting on. Yeah, exactly, and I I I think that's I think that's cool that they're that they're because they, like you were saying they have. There's all these shows you've been talking about. You haven't even like scratched the surface of a lot of these shows that you've you've watched that are associated with the BBC. So yeah, so um, the hinter- hinterland was one of the ones that I talked to, we talked about um, in the the, the, the lost most recent episodes. lost <laughs> session. Um, and so the, here's the description on this: a noir crime drama in, set in. Aberswith, Wales, that's probably horribly mispronounced, Wales. where the knackered and troubled but intense DCI Tom Mathis is in search for redemption while solving hate crimes. So it's set up in a well uh, in Wales, and it was originally filmed. It's set up in a well. <laughs> in a well, you know, like Jonah. An Orson Wells. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> Inside Orson Wells. Hey, there's well, a lot, there's, there's a lot of room. <laughs> yeah, you, you could probably have a big old house in there. It'll serve no um, wine before it's time. <laughs> <laughs> Rosebud. So, yeah, I know exactly. Uh, man, yeah. that was a wow. That was a deep callback from the early seven, mid seventies. There, the Ernest and Julio Gallo commercials. I know. Orson yeah. Welles did. Instead of being known for Citizen Kane, what is he known for? <laughs> Getting drunk in commercials, <laughs> right? Those were brilliant. Yeah, and by before it's time, he meant they just finished squishing it like fifteen minutes ago because he must get drunk. Um, it was originally uh, filmed in Welsh, and then they. Uh, translated it and reshot it in English. Uh, it's part of that <clears throat> whole thing. But, you know, the big thing that we talked about was um, how they spin off to Scotland. And, and now it's not all just London-based, right? Which, yeah. if truly, if you watch everything that BBC does, I mean, it is 
crazily based in London, obviously, because that's where they're they're at. And then there's like seven detective shows, um, which I'm not going to mention because I, I kind of want to do a, a, a little bit of a presentation at some point in one of the podcasts that are set in Oxford or around Oxford with all these different investigators over the course of time and, and stuff. So it's it's all right there. It's all really centrally located. So they've definitely started to move away. Hinterlands was filmed in Wales. The other uh, show that I talked about was Jack Taylor, which is filmed in, in Ireland, which stars... Let's see if I can remember. I love his shoes, by the way. Jack Taylor? Chuck, oh. Chuck Taylor. Chuck Taylor. Oh. Jack Taylor makes like really goofy shoes. It's his little brother. They're stupid shoes. Yeah, they're like more like clown shoes. <laughs> yeah. Or snowshoes. But Jared Leto is a big endorser of... Um, <laughs> what did what did he, he won two. best supporting actor and Wesley Snipes has the commercials for those best supporting actress uh, didn't he didn't anybody won <laughs> was it was it Ian Drag <laughs> thirty seconds from Mars bars <laughs> yeah so uh, Jack Taylor is, is a fallen um, he's in the uh, the guard which is kind of the national police force of Ireland um, he plays a private investigator who does a lot of um, not so legal work. He's uh, he's your typical Irish drunk guy. Like, hey, oh my god, I had a, such a bad day. Let me drink five bottles of whiskey. Um, very uh, torn and and emotional. Rip, uh, rip torn. Rip torn. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Not going there, are we? No. <laughs> <laughs> Thank gosh. No. I think we almost went off into scatological direction. I'm we, pretty sure we could. Rip. So uh, big word alert. Leon Glenn is yeah, that was a big um, word. if that's how you pronounce his first name is a uh, Scottish actor playing in an I- playing an Irish uh, former policeman um, in Jack Taylor, and that's a spinoff of uh, some of the BBC stuff. Is that stuff has started to spread out between Scotland, Wales, and Ireland, and not just be London based, where yeah. it was just the same neighborhoods featured in, in every show they on, do. On that uh, BBC commissioning page, I was looking at that they talked about that they the uh, when it filters through the commissioning. Uh, pipeline is that a certain amount of content may get like you're saying get spin spin off to Scotland, Ireland, rest of the UK. So, you know, but you know, you know, this is digital age now, so they are trying to get their stuff out there, and even more so. And it, because I think you had touched on it a little bit previously, is there so many good shows out there, and people would never hear of them. Other than like through podcasts or well, I think word of mouth. In re-listening to the third podcast we did, I talked a lot about like how Netflix will not load these shows up for you. Like even if you go in and watch every American detective show that's out there, it will not load up the BBC shows for you. And it actually you have to scroll way down on the in in it. There is a it's a separate category on under TV. So you have to go, you know, new shit TV. And then scroll way down and go to BBC before you get all this stuff. Does it actually say, is there a category that says new shit? Yep. <laughs> that would be, I would immediately go to that. BBC. I don't want that old me, shit. I want give me that some of that new shit, shit Paul. <laughs> I want some of that new shit, man. Come on. But you can't get these, they're, they're great shows, and you can't get them to load up because it's, no, that's in the BBC area. That's not in the CBS TV show type right. stuff that, sound, that you watch. That sounds really it is. It's like really you don't weird. want somebody to watch that stuff. Well, right? they may be just trying to do some type of geographical. You know, you're a U.S. television person. You might not really be familiar with these. You know, you know. I know that they well, should be tied I mean, I together that, somehow. The, but they do. They do that. So if you're, they've got in, a bad linkage problem. If they're if bad you're in algorithm. In Sweden, whatever. they give you Swedish stuff. 
Netflix. Yeah. I mean, it's it's all over Europe, so they do t- already tailor that to you. Right. But it's it's in English. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's it's the it's albeit the king's yeah. English, but um, <laughs> you you can still understand it. Unless you're living in a trailer, maybe it's difficult. Yeah. I can't understand the way those folks talk. They talk dumb. <laughs> hip, hip, All these hip, bees hip, and vowels. It sounds like the Bible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they sound so smart when they say it. So those are two shows that are kind of been byproducts of that as they've spread out. Because I think I want to say that Hinterland, when it was originally done, was done by a, a small Welsh production company. Right. And then the BBC came in and said, hey, that's really good. We want to do that in English. And they brought it kind of in under their umbrella. And that was something uh, you was talking about before, that um, there's a lot of new shows being done more north in England and uh, in Scotland and Wales and things like that. Well, that's just good. And, and I think we talked before about how, like, if they're sitting on all those properties, they got to have an outlet to yeah. get them out. Where rather than, I mean, there's only, what they have like three or four BBC channels. And if that's full of these dramas and they don't need any more, then they should be developing the, the content that they're sitting on and getting it out. Well, and that's uh, one of the other articles I was looking at uh, because uh, of them spinning things off. They're going to, uh, BBC, for the first time in their 92 years, is going to let their in-house production companies uh, take things off to like ITV and Channel 4 and the, so the, is, the rivals. Is ITV, is that the Canadian? No, that's, uh, that's, in, the, that's in the UK. Yeah, that's UK. That's UK. Because there's some... God, that looks, that looks really familiar. Keep talking. I want to look at something real quick. Okay. Um, it, is it, do you want me to talk about Unbreakable? Yep. Kimmy Schmidt? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so, talking about things on Netflix... This morning, um, you know when the, the first on Netflix when you first log in and you log in and they have like that big splash screen right. to where it's right. What, hey, look is, what we have! You this, should try this. Th- you should try this. Yeah. That show was on this listed this morning. You normally you just click on the image and it takes you to it. It wouldn't. I was clicking. It wouldn't take me to the show. It it showed the title. It wouldn't take me to the episodes, and I could add. I had to go and search for it. Oh my god. Had to type in and search instead of just clicking it because most people, if it, I think it God, was that's some, a dedication to find some suckage. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. So the show for this stuff. This show was uh, originally it's uh, co-produced by Tina Fey, you know, Thirty Rock and Love Me Tina Fey. Loves Tina Fey. He likes his women with slight scars on their face. A little scar, little glasses. glasses. Yeah. yeah. So I had to go read, like, well, the first time I saw that, I was like, what's up? But she was, like, slashed by, like, a mugger or something. She was cut, she got injured she when was she sta- was... A, she was standing in her front yard as a, a little, kid. She was yeah. a little kid, and somebody just cut her. God, yeah. what a, and because she, she lived in New York, right? Yeah. God, what a freak show that place is. Yeah, so anyway, so this the show's called The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. It stars uh, Ellie Kemper. Uh, she was in Aaron. She was alienated in New York audience. Probably. Aaron in the office. Um, <laughs> I love Brooklyn. As a, Go Brooklyn! <laughs> as a woman rescued from a cult in Indiana who tries to make it in New York City. So the first thing when she gets to New York, she has to find a, no, there a were, gay black friend. So there was a... a so that's, <laughs> that's, and, that's she, is that, and protect really? her face from slashers. I am not, I'm not it's kidding. on my bucket list. So, I need a gay black friend. So, there, so you made fun of me last podcast for one of the descriptions that I read for a show. Yeah. Like when you read that description, I'm like, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. And, and if you do a search right now for mm. reviews for this show, slate.com, 
it's glowing reviews. They're calling it the next, the next 30 Rock, uh, the next big thing. And I'm like, I watch the first episode this morning, 24 minutes. I'll never get that time back. <laughs> I'll never get those 24. So I immediately so you doubled down and went for broke. I was like, yeah, Paul, because y'all, we talked about that on like Orphan give it, Black. Give it, that give it a little more rope. Yeah. Give, it, give it a little bit of time. The first one usually has to establish. Yeah. yeah. Come, and the, yeah. It, there was, there was little funny moments. Like I, I mentioned that she was, uh, uh, she was shaking a, a rat and it had these huge nuts <laughs> and she was shaking it right in front of the camera and it's nuts were dangling around. Nothing makes Paul giggle like rat testicles. Like rat, rat nuts. Um, <laughs> but it was, what I watched two you episodes. Find funny about rat nuts, you sick <laughs> bastard. I mean, they're sort of like corn nuts, but they're <laughs> rat nuts. I bought a big old bag of them at the Seven Eleven the other day. I go to the bar to get a drink. I say, "Hey, can I have some rat nuts?" And they think I said corn nuts, and they, I was like, "No rat nuts." Yeah, the squirrel nuts are just as funny too. True. So th- this show, I I read the reviews. I watched two episodes. I thought it was. It just was not funny to me. Did you read the all. reviews after or before? After, yeah, after. Because you're like, please, somebody agree with me. Yeah, and I even typed in. I even typed into Google. I was like, "Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt reviews that suck." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And bad there is not there is for this show. there is not one bad review for this show that was originally done until by now. NBC <laughs> until this. Time. You didn't check Reddit, did you? No. Uh, <laughs> oh, of course he did. Well, un- until NBC. I'm surprised your browser gets anything except for Reddit. <laughs> I know Paul writes for Reddit. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, I, I serve. He gets a paycheck from Reddit. He accounts for all. He accounts for like 24 percent of the clicks on Reddit. <laughs> I try, and you, you think I would have a, a username on? Reddit? I don't. I'm not even going to get that free fake karma points. I'm not, oh, even, I'm not man, even getting that. I'm so disappointed. But you would anyway. be a legend if you were registered an actual <laughs> user. Oh, whatever. Rat nuts. I've seen them. <laughs> I've seen that on there. Have you seen my rat nuts? It's great. Rat his nuts, his five, login six, name is I Heart Rat Nuts. <laughs> I shake rat nuts. <laughs> and the heart is an emoticon. Yes. The beating one. I like my rat nuts shaken, not stirred. <laughs> so, anyway, this, this, show, <laughs> this, this show is the first two episodes at least. It's just not funny. It has a lot of the same cast members that uh, from uh, 30 Rock. But it's just not it's not funny. Well, you know what the first thing of this show that's not funny is its title is stupid. The Un- what? Unbreakable uh, Kimmy Schmidt. That's not funny. That's like the Mindy Kaling I was Googling project. that and I was yeah. typing in I heart Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> <laughs> She's I heart rat nuts. Somebody at Verizon's like, what the? <laughs> you, you better get that locked down as an IR, uh, URL right now. <laughs> it's like, man, somebody's, somebody's going to yeah. hear this and going to sit on it and poach it. I'm like, damn. Instead of dancing yeah. hamsters, I, you can have dancing I had rat to nuts. pay this guy $1,000 to get my own URL. That's bullshit. <laughs> Ended up I like rat testicles.com instead. That's that's not and it doesn't not have the same yeah. ring to yeah. it, to, it. It sounds like a medical website. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rat cojones, maybe. Cojones. Huevos. Huevos. Eggs. Huevos de ratón. Viva la ratas. Mommy, how do rats Viva make... Viva la huevos de la ratón. <laughs> Mommy, how do rats make baby batter? In their rat testes. <laughs> That's the rat nuts. Wait, can you imagine if you 25% of your body weight was wrapped up in your testicles, how bad that would suck? Because it's a big... No, I can't imagine. 
Well, I can. It's not. It's not funny. Well, See, yeah. how I don't have testicles. Y'all, y'all have seen that. That there was this guy I think down in South America that had that medical condition, and he he ended up. You know those yeah. exercise Ele- elephantitis yeah. of, the, of the testicles. He, yeah. he he would he would have to drag these suckers around, and he could sit on them like it was some sort of ergonomic desk or something for work <laughs> to sit on it. It's like, hey, yep. this is sort of comfy. What are those? Use those, remember those yeah. bouncy balls you used to sit yeah. on, and you could bounce across. Just the don't yard. bounce too hard. <laughs> it's like at what point? Do they get so big? It's like, hey, should we do something about this? <laughs> yeah. When they're the but size show, of your head, I think. That's even time. Tina Fey backing and all that—it just sounds terrible. Yeah, and that's the thing is that I didn't do any big digging on if she's actually writing, like wrote the first episode because I, I think I'd mentioned before it had sort of the a little bit of the comedy flavor of Thirty Rock, but it just to me it was fell flat. It was it felt like it was just. All over the place, and not, it just, like, I didn't laugh. It's another a that the friend tested. of hers. It's a writer wrote it, and she threw her name on it to yeah, get some money lent up for it. It was it was co produced, uh, thirteen episodes. Uh, at the end of last year, and not NBC, just, NBC was thinking of running it, and then they just passed it off to Netflix. Yeah, so that to me, which probably Netflix got a great deal on it. There'll be a bunch of people that watch it because hey, it's something new, and so they'll get a bunch of eyeballs on it. Where NBC probably would have been canceled two or three shows in, and yeah. and that's what makes me wonder is how much did Netflix pay for this show, this these thirteen episodes? Because unless after the first two that I watched, I didn't like, unless it gets a lot better, I can't see them making another another it season. It says of it. on IMDb, it says season two premiere March to twenty sixteen. Yuck. Yeah, but that I mean that's just I guess to be that hopeful. Could be. Like, hey, we think if we did do production, that's when we would do it. Yeah. It would be interesting to see if Netflix is funding it. Because uh, Netflix, the they, they restarted Arrested Development, and they made it some says new... Netflix picked it up, picked it up with a two-season commitment. Oh, there you mm-hmm. go. Oh, there you go. Okay, there. Wow. Like it. You bring in value. Look at me with a phone. That's right. <laughs> with an electronic device that can hook up to the internet. I heart, I heart rat Google. As, as long as I have Google, I know shit. I, <laughs> See, I and that's, so if, if they're really going to do, if they signed a two-season commitment, I mean, so after, because I'd forgotten how funny 30 Rock, Rock was, and I went right after I watched it, I was like, ah, 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 okay. dirty. Can I, I ask watch a something. question about 30 Rock? Because sure. Ron, no, Ron and no, I disagree no. on this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask okay. anyway. So I lost interest in 30 Rock after season. I don't know. How many seasons was 30 Rock? Seven. seven yeah, I was about to say six or really? seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, seven. Yeah, like six, seven. season four, five, I was At like, all most, right, this yeah. is you all been, been done. Like I, I, well, so you, again, you missed the last podcast, but this was my, I watched all four seasons of Archer that was on, which I, th- I thought was super funny. But it, it becomes like the been there, done that. Like they, they repeat, start repeating the same joke. They did. Well, could you, they could get, you they get choke, lazy. Could you, could you choke me just a little bit? Just a little bit. <laughs> just, you got to whisper. <laughs> could you choke me just a little bit? <laughs> Brian, could you choke me just a little bit? I will choke the fuck out of you, man. So you have to. Hey, be, is it? Are we still recording? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Recording check. Are we? Are we actually recording? Let okay. me look. Let me look. Talk me about look. getting yeah. the flop spots yeah. again. <laughs> I was like, I don't yeah. want to repeat Uh-oh, this. you guys don't want to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> We're recording. So, but that's the thing. And I, I, for me, it's just a lazy writing thing. Like, I know that the writers of these shows are capable of coming up with additional funny stuff. But they hit on, like, something like, oh, this is kind of funny. And they 
just beat it to death over four or five episodes to where exactly what you're talking about. Every the, the next episode is like, yeah, yeah, I, I saw those fucking jokes last week. Yeah. Oh, I saw those jokes two weeks ago. It, but Thirty Rock in season six and seven did break out for me. Did break out of that a little bit. Um, I gave a, up on season like five. Yeah, if that, because yeah. it just yeah. becomes the same thing again and again and again. Yeah. And it is a hundred percent in in my opinion just lazy writing. And they've got something that's sort of funny. And enough people tune in that they don't have to retool something and really go back to the drawing board and some stuff. And that's my whole thing with sitcoms is that it's, they hit, they get, oh, this is the thing people find funny. And they just ride it into the ground and they never really try to, to stay fresh, which is a super mm. difficult thing to do. Right. Yeah, to stay in the formula to some degree. But, yeah, how do, you, how do you stay in that, stay with what people know, what's funny and what works, and yet – be adventurous and, and well, well that, a comedy sitcom. I don't necessarily think that's true with a drama. No, like, no, no, no. Drama is a lot, lot more I mean, way to go, ways to go. Yeah. Well, and and that's the thing. And like with Parks and Recreation, uh, I think it's a really funny show. Uh, this is the la- they're airing the last season this year. Um, just had it. It just two weeks it, ago. Yeah. yeah, and this last season, it it didn't. I it didn't a, enjoy it because it was just flat. Like Brian was saying, it's they knew it's the last season. And they're just wrapping stuff up. Well, exactly. And how many people of that show have taken off in a big right. way? Right. Oh, yeah. Everybody's a star on that show now. Yeah. Like, I, uh, you know, it's funny. I've, I've never watched one episode, um, but I saw, watching all this Hulu stuff, they're pumping it up because they have season uh, seven on there right now, whatever oh, the last okay. season is. And, um, you know, they're trying to get you to go watch the, the, the last season as they're rolling it out. But... You know, what's his name? Azari, Azar, whatever. Aziz Azari. Something like that. He's a comedian. Yeah. yeah. So he's like, his stand-up is killing it. He's selling out arenas. Yeah. He's got movie deals. He's got a lot of specials on Netflix right now. You know, other dude is like major Chris, movie star. Chris Pratt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so everybody spun out. So I, they all had to just come back and say, hey, just like with friends probably, F it. Let's give the fans a closing to this thing and come back and do a season. But they're all so spread out. And I would think that's for the writers, too. I'm sure all those writers have been bled dry that really got that up and running. And they're jumping ship, too. It's like, hey, I've got to get a new thing. Yeah. My name's out there. And so you get this kind of hodgepodge of like, eh, let's just finish it off and let the fans have some closure. Yeah. But I would imagine it's it's not very good. Well, and that's, uh, that's for me at least, I thought that was a real shame because I, I burned through – all of the American the Office episodes, and I really enjoyed that. It was a very satisfying show. Did you go me. all the way through to the end? All, all the way through. Yeah. It was very satisfying. Even after Steve Carell, yeah. Took off. And I thought it was gonna it 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 was a little bit different because he was man he was so cringeworthy on that show. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's, Wait, every time you say cringeworthy, it reminds me of Seinfeld Spongeworthy. Ah, yes, or SpongeBob. Is he Spongeworthy? Is he? Yeah. Is he? Because they don't sell these anymore. I mean, I still got limited supply. I just, I think it just clicked. You just got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and she would be like, "I don't think he's Spongeworthy. I don't think he is." Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, the for me, the Office it was satisfying all the way through the through the ending, and I didn't watch any of the episodes on TV until it had finished a couple right. of years after it finished. And that was the first thing I'd really seriously binge through where I just watch episode after episode after episode. And then with parks and rec, it was, I watched, I never watched it on TV and I started going through the, the seasons on Netflix and I really enjoyed it until 
I started recording this fine. I didn't even realize it. It wrapped up because I stopped watching it. Right. And it's like it lamed out the very last season on me, and I thought that was a shame. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's fairly typical, though. That yeah. something hit. Like I said two podcasts ago, the worst thing you want for your favorite show is for it to become a hit. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Because it's going to get screwed That's up. why. I, I want this well, podcast to stay small. And I don't remember what the... Well, so, yeah. so far... We don't want more But not than, the paycheck. Yeah. Right. What, is, is there a paycheck? Wait, yeah. Are you getting paid? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, far... And alcohol. Uh, I mean, yeah, well, it's funny because Brian, uh, he texted me. He said, oh, I can't get out with the girls. Can you bring me some double A's? And so I stopped by and I pay eight bucks for batteries. And I get here and he's like, oh, I'll get you next week, bro. So, <laughs> he's, oh, so basically we're your bitch because yeah, you're doing podcasts. Yeah. So he's <laughs> drank about... $300 worth of alcohol. And yeah, he, what have you brought to the, this? The, the first, I bring snacks. He at did least. he did bring vermouth I, and yeah. olives. Was that sweet or dry? Olives. Sweet pickles? Dry. Sweet <laughs> or dry? I have no idea. Oh my god. I didn't god. stick my pinky in it. Shit, I don't he know. He did bring some crack in at one point, didn't he? I just sprinkled some that crack. Was a, that was crack? a house gift. Oh, that was that's a housewarming right. gift. <laughs> Indian giver. <laughs> right, right. So then he goes, that's $9, motherfucker, <laughs> for his batteries when he first got here. And it's funny because right before I left, because we had a big box of them, and if I knew I was going to get stiffed, I would have just reached <laughs> in and grabbed, grabbed a handful of triple, double A's. Yeah. Here, bitch. You buy those things in bulk at Costco, you know. Well, yeah, he probably has the the sex tour, sex toy <laughs> Power the station. Se- the sex toy power station. That's yes. right. This is I a did. drawer we keep all of the sex toy batteries in. That's we right. want to make sure they have multiples of each size because you don't want to be like right in the <laughs> middle of coitus. Big word alert. Uh-oh. And, you know, oh, my God, the batteries died. I got to oh, but you gotta, hey, you gotta watch batteries for that type of stuff. So I've heard. I got a. I got a cousin named Coitus. What? I got what, a cousin named Coitus. Is that does that count? <laughs> what? Uh, what sex toy has watch batteries in it? Was uh, <laughs> it the little? Yeah, Ron, tell us. I just that's just what I'm not aware of this. That's just what I. Heard. Please tell me this is not the bullet you currently have in your anus. <laughs> he, he sometimes puts a Benoit ball up there and clinks around. That's what South fast. Sir, South get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sir, your luggage was uh, was vibrating. Hey. It's the dildo. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we like, don't like to refer to it as your dildo. I thought those were like C batteries for that kind of stuff. Right? Where is that from? I don't know. That's Fight, Fight Club. Club. <laughs> the dildo. So this bullet, this bullet Ron's carrying around, it, whenever, whenever he has a, a associated load of ass pennies, it's, sort of clink, 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 clink. Yeah. it's like playing pachinko in there. So whenever Ron does anything bad, a Ginger turns the remote off. <laughs> right. That's her disapproval. Signal for disappointment. What did I do wrong? You just said, <laughs> or Ron, I hide the batteries. <laughs> Ron, Ron's just sitting there doing something, and you see him go, <laughs> It's a power down. <laughs> so what I was going to say about BBC stuff, I think it even used to be more strict. Like they used to, like when they would commit to something, it was just five, five episodes. They didn't do, if I remember correctly, which is years back, they would only do five episodes, and then they were done because they had no interest and getting tied up and stuff and um, tied up and stuff. Tied up. <laughs> got the over here. Yeah. I'm still thinking That's about the last conversation. Um, and, and, and making these like seasonal commitments and year after year commitments. Like a lot, there's a lot of from, from 80s and early 90s. There's only five or six episodes and they move on now. So is it they, like a miniseries type of? Sort of. But then they have like Luther, 
that Greg was talking about the other day is uh, five or six episodes a season. And Sherlock, the last episode, last season of Sherlock, I think is three episodes. Another hour and a half. But they, it's just they have no interest in doing 22 episodes of schlock. Like it's like, hey, let's boil it down to what's really good and do that and then move on. Now, do you think that's a part of why they're – they're changing as they're responding to a little bit, the but binge at the, watching. At the same you know that time, people can watch. You know, if you have two hundred episodes of something that's middling to fair good. Well, at the same time, they have a lot of series like Inspector Lewis. I think has ten seasons, right? Uh, so there's not it, Inspector Lewis Farrakhan. Yeah, Lewis Farrakhan. <laughs> that's the worst. That's the worst show. Is that like a combination of that and, and Inspector Gadget? Yeah, <laughs> it's like Lewis, Farrakhan is like, ooh, he's got all these stretchy arms and stuff. But I think it's Inspector Lewis that has ten, nine or ten uh, seasons. <laughs> but I think the the big thing is for them, they can't get writers, producers, and actors to commit for five years of a show, like he, because it's not a lot of money, right? So they they're all in it for the art and and, and to produce good content. Where in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, if you know, make a million dollars an episode, I'll do it for 10 years. Well, and I think that you've noticed over the last, what, three, four, or five years, how big name actors are now doing TV versus... TV's you you the, would never see right. that, yeah, you know? TV's the yeah, new Hollywood. And I, with the, in Kevin Spacey <clears throat> doing House of Cards, right. and it's obviously, it's a remake. House of Cards is a, is a British remake. Yeah. Cha-ching. Um, and the, the guys for true detectives that you talked about, they're that big. And I think that what's a drawing to them to it is that it's good shit to do. Right. Mm-hmm. right? It's, con- it's quality of the content. Right. Right. Yes. They're not going in and doing the, the slock that normally makes it on guest star ABC. with Fonzie and Richie. On yeah. It. Who wants, like, what is <laughs> Jimmy love on the love boat? <laughs> Matthew McConaughey wants to come in for an episode of CSI Miami. Right. Yeah. You know, no, they want to come in and do good acting and do good work. Well, and that's uh, the uh, the lead actress in Orphan Black. Uh, she makes fifty thousand per episode. As well, she should. As well, she's she should. She probably should. Awesome per character. I, I made that <laughs> yeah. same joke when I, yeah. I read that. I was like, for all eighty characters, she should. <laughs> and she's really amazing. And that's are you continuing I'm to still, watch? We're it? still watching. Yeah, she is really that Russian is one crazy. It is. Oh, she's, she's Ukrainian. I love. Her. She grows up in a Ukrainian. Elena is it Elena. Elena or Helena. Uh, Elena. Uh, uh, Ukrainian Elena. nuns, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, the episode. Where I'm she, glad you stuck with that. Oh, yeah. It's feel really like, good, dude. Yeah, you, you, y'all were, and she is amazing. And Nikki thought she was English. Because she right. said her accent sounded English. No, I, and Nikki is really is, hard because she's English. It's, <laughs> she knows like sometimes I'm like that's pretty good, and she. Pool, it's not good. (laughs) But everything she does is spot on. Yeah, like I would. She she seems like really, and I don't know anything about her, but I I don't feel like naturally she can go do and perfect an English accent. I feel like she's probably so dedicated that they brought in a coach and she worked her ass off to say and pronounce things correctly. Did you know? Prior to this, she has ten years' experience in improv theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, that is totally makes sense. Very yeah. telling, and it's just something about. I know suddenly we veered back into that show, but it's back so good. Black. Um, Talk. The production BBC? values. I was. I was looking. It's BBC America. I was looking at the production values uh, on the episodes when they're having to shoot separate takes, like the shot where the, it's a t- uh, um, it's a take outside of the vehicle, right? And that you know they're, they're having to composite her in. 
there and then they do a rack focus shifting the focus from one character back to the front character of both the same actress and it's seamless. technically it's it seamless. is so difficult and like that's something i pick up on in all these kind of things where they sort of hodgepodge a scene together because of yeah. st- something like this and typically i'm so like with the rack focuses or the editing or i oh they had to do the at that particular shot because of whatever to hide stuff they don't hide anything. They're not. They'll have three of them in the scene. And te- they'll have a moving that camera. Yeah. Flawless, it yeah. looks. It looks really good. And I'm. I'm very. And I, I I'm very. I. You know. I work in that. In that industry. I can't I, imagine how technically difficult that rack focus back and forth is between two people that aren't there. Yeah. To get that. Like, what are you calling it? A rack focus is when like your eyes normally do, naturally do it, but you can't tell because your eyes do it so fast. So when you go from something that's near to you to something that's like, far, you're focus high. on the microphone and then focus on Paul. And, yeah. Yeah. And and, and 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 individually, those two things in that linear sight will become focused or unfocused depending on mm. when you're when you're when you're doing it, and yeah, it's term. flawless. Yeah. And I, I I noticed that in that scene I was we was watching last night, and it looks. I mean, it looks seamless. And so it's really, really your, high production value. Yeah, oh, it's amazing. And that's your homework now. Is So you have to be able to come back uh, next week and uh, be able to explain. i got to do a book report on. Yeah, focus in, dolly out. Okay. That's what you have to do <laughs> right. next week. Um, that's a Hitchcock. If you watch Hitchcock, that was one of his famous in, is focus in, dolly out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's technically so difficult. Her acting is so flawless in those scenes, going back and forth between the characters. The as I'm watching that, I'm distracted sometimes by how by how difficult it must yeah, be. Yeah, how to amazed, do it. amazing it is. You know, and there's and yeah. I don't think you're probably far enough. I think it's in season two. There's four of them in a scene. We just we yeah. just finished uh, season one last night. Okay, yeah, and I think it's halfway through season two or early on in season two. In the apartment where her gay friend lives. Yeah, her brother. Her brother. Your brother. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. half brother, I guess. Well, a foster brother. Yeah, it's yeah like, foster brother. It's like Sarah, the soccer mom, the uh, the dreads, uh, and then chick, and Elena then, shows up. Yeah, and then yeah, and it's like holy cow, <laughs> they're all in the scene together. Yeah. <laughs> well, amazing. I love that. I know, and Elena. Like I, I, the more I think about that, the more I'm so glad they didn't kill her off earlier, which I kept thinking that they were going to. Yeah. When she shows up at the hospital and she's like at the uh, check in station, slow down. Oh, I'm yeah. not going to give it away. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to give it away. But the look and the acting and the, what she says, I was just like, that's perfect. It's like 10 words, and that, that's perfect. Um, so, yeah. But the, the, so they've slowly loosened up where they'll do more seasons. They do things. They've actually, uh, Inspector Lewis, which is one of their famous shows, and it's aimed at your 40, 50 year olds. Um, they've gone back and now relaunched that. <laughs> you mean us? Yeah, yeah. Let's go say that. Well, forty, fifty-year-olds probably ten or fifteen years ago. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. Um, so even for us, it's a kind of a little lame of a show when you watch it. Um, but now they've gone back and kind of rebooted that character when he was in his just getting onto the police force, and that show is called Endeavor. And I, w- I w- I'll have to do a whole segment on that because it's really, really good. Yeah, I think uh, like one of the it's fantastic. the longest running. No. No. Phenomenal. One of the longest running characters for uh, BBC, uh, Doctor Who, of course. Right. And it's been through so many incarnations oh, and has boy. such a huge fan base. And it just got revitalized, you know, a few years back with with uh, 
Yeah, that's a nerd alert for me. That that title, that name, Doctor that, Who. Yeah. Well, I would say that the first it's an acquired taste. I, I try to get years into it. are very teen to early twenty guy focused. In the the reboot Nerds. in the last probably five or six years, it's not nearly as bad, but it's still kind of a nerdy thing. Yeah, and it's it's very it's cult cult yeah. favorite. And it's spun off. They've done a lot of spun offs like Torchwood and yeah. some of the other stuff. Uh, Warehouse 13, I think, is another one that they have that's kind of in that genre. Very X-Files. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Cool. Well, I'm totally out of drinks, so I think okay. we should make more drinks. Okay, uh, are we still recording? Time. 42 minutes in, we're still recording. Oh, my goodness. We're doing well. Sweet. Brian, t- Brian checks to see. <laughs> is it still Check going? yourself before we wreck yourself. How's the rest of that song go? Uh, I do not remember. Something, something. Yeah. Rat, rat testicles. 43 minutes. <laughs> Thanks for listening to that segment of the Binge Watch Podcast. You can find us online at www.bingewatchpodcast.com, on Twitter at BingeWatchPC, and on YouTube and Facebook by searching for Binge Watch Podcast. Thanks, honey. Sure. Appreciate Anytime. that. I'm sitting here looking at Facebook. <laughs> Oh yeah, I, I'm the originator of the eye pooping because I would go. You know, I, I I've always read. Okay, or let's talk about there. what this is really about. It's the only time that I can get away from anybody and have like <laughs> seriously. Yeah, come on. Either Scarlet needs something. You got to clean something yeah. up for Scarlet. Ron's looking for sex. I mean, I would imagine <laughs> just like time. it's a bit of a retreat. From the real world. Can a woman just <laughs> sit here, check her email, and take a deuce? <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. <laughs> Ron, bring me the heavy wipes! <laughs> she's, got those, she's got those on the back of the toilet, Paul. Yeah, <laughs> there's part, a part of her back I can't reach. You're going to have to help me. Scarlet! Ron, Ron has to come in in a hazmat suit. <laughs> okay, me and mom, we're going to have to stick you in the shower. <laughs> you, I pooped everywhere. I poop, you poop, we poop. God bless, woman. Ron, yeah, do you remember how that the the Lawton uh, store, the video store, was set up, where the bathroom was right by my office? Right. Yeah. So <laughs> you're a flush every now and then. Well, do you remember? I had a somebody, one of my, my music manager. His name was Heath, and he would just be in there forever. And then he'd come out. He'd kind of walk funny. And he'd be like, "Man, that was a bad one, dude. I had to." I had to wipe my entire back on that. It was so bad. Well, I, sw- I swear to God, where where I'm currently working at now, like three three out of the five days of the week, so at some point in the morning in the men's upstairs bathroom, somebody tries to shatter into the porcelain on the back of that bowl. They go in there and I'm like, what? Just, woo, woo, Lysol, Lysol, Lysol. It's bad news. It's bad it's horrible. news. horrible. It's horrible. And I mean, you can flush like ten times in the... In the and the the uh, 
Jackson Pollock on the back of the toilet does not flush away. <laughs> it's like, like, God. You're going and pulling the fire alarm. Somebody come clean this up. It looks like somebody had, had fuzzy tacos yesterday or something. Woo. Yeah. We are, disgust- we are disgusting Pollock. creatures. <laughs> I'm serious, man. It's a little work. I'm thinking about taking like high res photographs and like putting it up in an art gallery. It's like. Okay. Fecal number three. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I don't want to stay on the scatological tip for 45 minutes, but I'm gonna tell you guys a story, and it's is totally it, true. Isn't that a band name? Scatological tip. <laughs> well, I wrote a, 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 a blog entry one time called "Scatological Love Affair." Oh no! Yeah, but that's not what this is about. So I used to work with a guy, and this is many moons ago, back before cameras on phones, and and, and really the only instant camera you had. And this has been about. 97, 98, somewhere in there, was Polaroids. Yeah. Right. right. So <clears throat> this guy's name was Shay. I will, won't give his last name in case anyone ever listens to this that knows this guy. But he would take the Polaroid into the bathroom with him. And when he was done, he would take a picture. <laughs> and he time? would, And you would be working at your desk, <laughs> and he would just walk by, not say a word, and just slide it onto your desk. <laughs> And you, you, you're working away, and you go, dude, what, what, why? That's so, like, that's twice this week so, you've done this to me. What did I do to piss you so, off? So there's there's a current, you know, the current thing is people who are, are foodies, where they take a picture of their meal right. before. He was right. just a couple hours <laughs> time shifted. He's, here's what I had for breakfast Late yesterday. He was foodie. behind the times yet he was ahead a, of the time. He was a he was a booty foodie. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> And he would do it to everybody at work. He just yeah. didn't care. Yeah. I could it, just almost every day. Was he, he was he straight faced when he? Yeah, no. He would just you didn't know what was up, and no one around you would know what's going on. He would just like walk by, put it on your desk, so it's right in front of your keyboard where you're looking, <laughs> and you're like, "Dude, what the fuck?" <laughs> would he say anything? As an HR person, Ginger, you would have had to deal with him on a regular basis. Yeah. Like, uh, Shay, would he could... say anything to you when he did nope, that? He just go sit down. <laughs> And Brad's sitting here thinking, why does this guy keep on showing me pictures of his soft serve ice cream that well, it wasn't, it ladling wasn't, out there in the It wasn't toilet? just me. It was lots of other people who worked. It was so, like a cat that you know uh, brings you their kill, you know, right. like to be proud yeah. of it. You know, like well, here, look what oh. I got. Well, you know how I think a lot he of, was proud of it. You know, you know how a lot of stores will have the community bulletin board where you can put up cards and stuff. Like, you just put a Polaroid. How <laughs> <laughs> this Jackson Pollock? <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, this it is was some scary stuff. This is spaghetti with uh, lots of rolls. <laughs> yep, you can tell I like cheese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is five pounds of cheese I had this morning <laughs> for breakfast. Then it would be it, the bowl would be. Empty. I just ate it with an ice cream scoop out of the bag. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ron, did you did you bring anything you wanted to talk about, Ginger? You got stuff you want to talk about? Yeah. I'll let let, let the lady go first. So, Paul, <clears throat> that's you. Yeah. Sit out, Ginger. <laughs> the bearded lady did. Yeah. Um, Paul and I kind of talked about this via right, right. uh, text yesterday, and we all, I, everybody here knows that I, I love music. I mean, that's really my passion. While I love movies and and TV and all that, but I, my true passion is music. So that's why I married her. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> So Brian's just shaking his head. I know. We shouldn't go there. So, and I know at some point that we would be able to talk about this, but um, I always thought, and you and I had discussed how we could kind of transition some of that into some of our conversations. So 
I told Paul that I had this idea um, about how um, music in TV shows and movies um, placed on a soundtrack or whatever can really launch an artist's career and how it can influence maybe even your readiness or your your willingness to to watch a TV show. Yeah, um, that, and that that I was when we was texting about it. It's that is so true. Because if you think about it, because once you once you start thinking about it, you're thinking you think of all these these theme songs or music that you've heard that you've really liked, and you may not have ever heard that artist or known about them right. until whatever until you watched. Well, what's become, you know, it's it's super interesting you say that because what's become a little bit of a a go to in a lot of these shows is the last three minutes, four minutes of a, of a TV show is a kind of the musical montage where they've, they've built up everything that they need to talk verbally to you or dialogue wise. And they're going to move the story (laughs) along with really out any character talking. And they do that in the, the, that musical montage piece. And there's some shows that do that really successfully, in my opinion. And there's some shows that do that really poorly, in my opinion. Well, you could probably thank Michael Mann for that, starting with Miami Vice. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the earliest I could remember it. But I do think, well, I think in probably the last seven to eight years, it's become kind of a go-to. There's been some because of the shows that have been. Well, I think it's more from a music marketing. Oh, absolutely. Because an artist's dream is to get a song in a movie or whatever, especially a new artist, somebody who's trying to get established. Well, for sure. But I think, like, and I'll use the example of Sons of Anarchy. This is a very big thing for them. And, and, and it's not a marketing piece, it's not anything else other than Kurt believes that you can watch. The characters do stuff, but if you have good music playing, it, it takes it to, to an- it. another right. level, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So every sure. song that they pick for their musical montage outro piece, which generally Sons of Anarchy would end on, is something that's pretty close to the emotions he's trying to express on the television, right? Well, so it's not really so... And that's like, what Michael Mann would do with his, yeah, his for, music. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And But um, there's been four or five shows, I think, over the last probably seven or eight years that have really kind of taken this to the next level, where Michael Mann, I mean... Every movie and show he's ever done has had that huge tie-in with the music, right? And sets the atmosphere, the, sets the mood, the theme, yeah, the atmospherics right. and all that. Um, but now, like, and if you <clears throat> listen to, if, there's a ton of websites that are dedicated just to the music that's featured on right. Sons of Anarchy. Right. Um, and I've googled a couple of those because I go, "Damn, that song's good!" Right. And I've never heard of this band, and it's not. I don't think at all in Kurt Sutter's mind is he ever think like hey I'm going to break this band or this is a marketing thing I think he hears some music and he's like you he know he likes it and thinks it would fit that what I, the emotional story. content that I'm trying to portray during this because there's generally a lot of uh, at the end of those episodes they've showed you violence 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 and they really want to humanize I feel like on the outro he, a lot of the times he wants to humanize these people and he'll show you like them holding their babies or spending time with their friends with a song overlay, and I do think that the combination of the two takes it to the next level, uh, much like irony takes two things to come together to create a third, This the music does as well. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's uh, uh, just recently, uh, I guess within the past few months, uh, somebody took all of John Williams' music off of the, the end of the, star, of the original Star Wars movie. 
uh, the big ceremony with the where they're and oh it's it is, terrible it is so awkward I know without yeah. that music it is mm-hmm. and yeah. of course they you know they took out the music and they added some very subtle like people clearing throats and sound effects <laughs> yeah. and stuff yeah. very yeah. subtle so boring. but it, yeah. it, it was really awkward and like the Mick Jagger uh, David Bowie music video they took out the music and it just showed them flailing around with no sound and so it's like who are these old awkward dudes there, I, <laughs> I just watched around. a video on Facebook this week where somebody it was a rave a bunch of rave kids yeah gothic rave kids like doing their rave gothic thing like in some abandoned place you know they're being all cool and they had overlaid some silly song on it I, I, did I you see that, that? yeah I, I can't song? i can't remember I, I, the first thing that popped in my mind was like my little pony theme yeah, song or something was <laughs> it my little pony it, I, it may have been it oh, that's the first thing it that was popped so in my mind. awesome because it again the the like if let me think of film theory here the um the juxtaposition and all that stuff between like what you think should be there uh, intellectual montage is what the Russians called it in their film theory. It's right. like what you the the uh, those different parts come together and create a, a greater thing in your head. Um, it's funny that you mention John Williams because I was just watching for the first time in probably a couple of years, um, Return of the Dark Knight this morning before you guys came over. That right. I had it on while it's cooking and cleaning for the kids and everything, and <clears throat> the utilization and music in that is so well done that I, I was thinking the same thing. Like, if this music wasn't here and, you know, Nolan was not a big music believer and all that stuff, what would these scenes be like? They're fairly... They're fight scenes and they're um, different scenes from around the, the Gotham or whatever. However... With the music, it emotionally tied it all together so well that I felt like I was caught. I've seen this movie ten times, but emotionally, I felt caught up in it. I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is so tragic!" And then I was thinking, like, what John Williams did for Star Wars, and if that music wasn't there, what would I be watching the scene and thinking? And I, I'm well, or sure would it would it have been as memorable? No, it would not have been. Or, and or it, like Jaws, what would it be without John Williams' yeah. music there? You know, with the Jaws. But theme. even uh, even more so, how much does kind of on the flip side of that? How much does music influence your willingness to watch something? Like if all the time. If, you, if there's a yeah, if there's a show that you kind of are on the on the fence on, but the music continues to. Um, you know, expose you to bands you've never heard of or music that you probably would never have heard of before. Right. Would that would that coax you into wearing, watching it again and again? Or well, and I don't know so. that it's like a conscious thing, right? right? <clears throat> like I know that there's probably previews to TV shows and movies that I see all the time that based on the the music doesn't catch me, the title doesn't catch me, and I'm out. It could be great. I don't know. What what was the the MIDI, remember the MIDI was pop, was real yeah. popular with Atari and all that? Right, right. There's so many um, intro things for TV shows that I feel like they're just overlaying some cheap MIDI music on. Yeah. And it's 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 terrible. Well, I actually have a, <clears throat> I mean, there's a lot of a lot of great movies especially, but, but even TV that where the music, I, I can remember thinking, oh, this is good music. But the last TV show and, and time when I remember... Shazamming because you know we all use Shazam. I mean, how great is that app? 
Do you guys Shazam much? Occasionally. Yeah, we do it, do do you know? it all no. the time. Oh, yeah, we do. I, I, I do it a lot. Yeah, yeah, we used it the other night. So what, uh, what is... Only what, during tell, sex, occasionally I'll jump up and go, Shazam! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Shazam is the app where um, you, it, you just hit, hit a button and put it close to the music source, and it recognizes within probably 30 to 45 seconds. Oh, it will, sometimes sooner than that. Sometimes it will like recognize 10, the artist and the um, song. It gives you oh, the artist wow. and song and title of whatever it hears. If you're using an iPhone, because I, it's, you know, I, it gives you directs you to iTunes immediately, so you could purchase it right there. But that's how you find out a lot of music if you didn't know who it was or whatever. So the I went through the iPhone to see the last time I did this for a TV show or whatever, and it was the again going back to True Detectives. Have you guys heard of Handsome Family? That's the artist that I yeah yeah I think the, yeah we, we he played that song on the yeah in the in the podcast too yeah it was a podcast too yeah yep two. so I mean would I have ever been exposed to that artist probably not um, well there were several songs in that in right that series that we Shazam I'm like oh this is really cool what is this you know? so and that opens because it's a, I think I think they're kind of a specific genre they're not they're not your typical alt country or bluegrass kind of which is uh, is big right now kind of that alternative bluegrass yeah, yeah but it's like, kind of um, like my morning jacket no there, there's the kind of alternative they can be very, but not the, i don't i don't compare this is kind of like murder country <laughs> but it's a whole like different it little based bit on the, the sound of it that's ron's um Welcome. description not mine <laughs> welcome to murder country anyway so you know i think murder it exposed me do you, do you listen to that while you're I think in uh, Texas <laughs> like true, we call that Wise County. Yeah. <laughs> right. So true, anyway. True crime, alt country. <laughs> so that's my tie-in to what we're talking about today is music in film and TV and how it can expose an artist and expose you know people to music you would never hear do of. You, do you think you're seeing more of this now because of social media and that... It's always been there to a certain extent, but now people can so, like you said with Shazam, they can so quickly access. Yeah, before you'd have things. to like do an internet search or something like, you know, who who knows who what this song was was on this TV show at this time, you know, and people like, um, start taking guesses. But now you can Shazam. Yeah, it I, I think on, right? I think there's more yeah. of it now. I think people, and I th- I I kind of disagree with what Brian said. I think people, uh, writers, producers, whoever finds an art the music for a tv show or whatever i think they go seek out lesser known artists I, I, well, at times I, I don't know that they're i mean they're lesser known because they're not pop right Cause right pop is well shit. and they're also less of a royalty you know you can get you know a lesser known artist it's cheaper or you can get it for free for their they're like oh yeah well, we'll let you have it for exposure you know to help us uh, promote yeah, our I, music i think they just like what they like, and well, from in my mind, and it's not. It is they are lesser known, but I feel like that they're generally more genuine musicians than the pop. Like, yeah. why would they? Oh, hey, dude, we're gonna do our outro with. They're Taylor they're Swift, they're right? not they're yeah. not like a manufactured act, right? If there's some somebody that's out there and they do their their gig and they're doing it because that's the music they, and they want to give them exposure. I don't doubt that at all. That they pick that out, and but I think with and I. I really have to go back to Kurt Sutter because he talks a lot about this. But he, he it's stuff he's listening to that's mm-hmm. not well known. True that. That when yeah. he's listening to it, he's like he connects to it on an emotional, emotional right. level. And he goes, man, that would be great in this one episode of whatever the – that's Paul walking out of the room to go, I poop. <laughs> he's, he's either uh, choking the chicken, draining the lizard or something. 
or checking on his kid. Please maybe. not be choking the chicken. Let's keep <laughs> moving on. So, so there's some some TV series and shows that do this really poorly, and I want to say like, um, oh man, let me. I have to look his name up. Is that David Voorhees guy? That does Jason Voorhees? No, no. not the late killer dude. <laughs> um, Jason Voorhees, David Voorhees. Um, God, what's his big bones? They do like oh. horrible music montages all the time. They do like poppy stuff or poppy stuff or like mm. yeah, that's they probably did get it cheap, but it still sounds poppy. Yeah, and there's a lot of yeah. Bones is a very good example of this, but there's a lot of that musical montage stuff that's it's just terrible. That is the quickest poop anyone's ever taken, Paul. Oh, so yeah, it it could it, it done really well. The whole that piece does. And what I was thinking though earlier is, um, music wise, when I was watching. Um, the Dark Knight Rising is like what is all in the background that we don't even know that some musician is slaved away forever mm-hmm. um, to to accomplish that and make you feel the mood that you're actually feeling in that scene or on that TV series or whatever that you never know because it's not a song per se that you're ever going to hear on the radio or whatever. Um, but I, I I do think it's a third of the shows that I'm attracted to. I feel like the music and all that stuff is about a third of what I find entertaining about it. Yeah, and different shows have used music different ways. Like, I remember, you know, there'd be some music and stuff like, even like Lost, you know, and it'd either be, you know, them, like the dude down the hatch, you know, he was playing uh, um, music on his record player or whatever, or the people, the um, the others, you know, back in their little uh, bungalows, you know, would be... You know, might be playing something, or be in a flashback, or something. You know, right? Uh, but they would they would use it. You know, certain songs here and there use it more. You know, since it's time period stuff, flashing back in time, that it was you know stuff older. You know, pieces of music. But. Well, especially if you have any type of show that uh, has you know utilizes a flashback for whatever reason, especially if it's time specific, like right. you're talking music about. Sets you the can time, yeah. you can instantly connect people to. What, what era though or how many years ago just by you know something that was popular mm-hmm. during that time but like 80s music people know oh okay 80s well know. for sure and 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 also that it sets the time period immediately like Hot i can tell time you machine exactly <laughs> i can probably tell you exactly, exactly where i was the first time i heard uh u2's sunday bloody sunday smashing pumpkins you know uh melancholy melancholy and the infinite sadness you know, all that stuff kind of sets that tone too. But the other thing that I they I think find interesting, and really I think maybe I had I probably thought this before, but um, with me re going back and discovering, I am totally infatuated with Fleetwood Mac now. Like half of my music listening when the kids aren't listening is Fleetwood Mac. Don't say a fucking word about it. About Stevie Nicks. Stevie Nicks. The thing is, she loves Fleetwood Mac actually. She loves Lindsay Buckingham. And Dude, she loves, Lindsay is so. He's probably she one of loves the, Christine McVie. I know, I know, but you got to take you got to take the good with the bad. You got to take the good <laughs> with the bad. I, I mean, but come on, with, Ginger. I know you don't like Stevie Nicks, but without her, there would be no Fleetwood Mac. And yeah. back in the day, she was smoking. Oh, and her voice. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. just suck it up, soldier. <laughs> but the the with the the, the release of. Guardians she of the just Galaxy. Had a mall seizure over there. I know. <laughs> Put your belt in her mouth. Put your belt in her mouth. <laughs> That's not your belt. 
Um, with the, with the whole, like the soundtrack for Guardians in the Galaxy, like how much cool music was back then mm-hmm. that you write off because, yeah, fuck it, it's the 70s and it was dumb. That's good. Yeah. I like that Guardian. Every time we watch that movie, the kids are paying attention to all the stuff and I'm just listening to the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and just, uh, you talk about just when a movie or a show intentionally brings out a Walkman, you know, and <laughs> yeah. uh, you immediately... Okay, I know, I know what that era was. You know, it's yeah. and it, it took me forever when MP3 players first hit the scene for me to stop calling them Walkmans. Yeah, oh, yeah. when the first iPod came out, yeah, my Walkman. Sometimes it's like, it's no, that's a, not a Walkman. Sometimes Paul. it's just cool, kind of not necessarily a timepiece. Like last night, we watched uh, that new uh, that latest Bill Murray movie, Saint Vincent. Saint Vincent. Really good movie, and yeah, it looks fantastic. And that I feel like is his genre right now. That yeah. whole crotchety old it's man. It's kind of um, but it's kind of a different, it. an older, you know, him older. But it's kind of like that kind of kind of got that kind of cool indie Lost in Translation kind of feel, you know, to it in a different way. But uh, he uses a Walkman, and there's some scenes in there where he's like sitting down with headphones and a Walkman, actually with a cassette Walkman. Which well, is, every is awesome. every time I see a, a Walkman, because <sighs> I love. When I my Walkman, when I had it, when I go out on long runs and stuff, and you'd have to flip the tape, you know. But I didn't have the one that played both sides, right? And so I'm running and have to flip the tape, and it's and it's just such, it's that nostalgia for for that type of. And you know, they're Sony's making apparently making Walkmans again, original Walkmans after they made a huge announcement that we're never going to make another Walkman again. That was the death of the Walkman. But, like, I think of all of that, like, who gives a shit whether the music you listen to is on tape, laser disc, some implanted <laughs> thing in your brain, right? It's all about, there's some type of emotional content that's related to that that then is overlaid on what you're watching on, on the TV show. And I, I really do think that music, whether it's mood, the mood setting music within the TV show or the songs that are played and all that type theme. of stuff... Um, is really, really by a lot of people in TV totally overlooked, and then it's super paid attention. Like the opening scene in uh, for the Bosch, you know, this is what I really like about most TV shows. Now they do about four minutes, five minutes of like, you know, it's just the show, and then they play their scene right, and it's at some natural kind of break where then it resets you to what you're watching and the experience you're involved in. Um, but Bosch has a great one because they pay particular attention to the music and the visuals are super cool. Like I think it's the it, it, it's the closest thing that I've seen visually that reminds me for of Michael Mann and what he did with um, uh, damn it, what was the in Heat mm-hmm. visually how that looked right. And then what was his um, the movie that he did? It was the first all digital shot uh, with. Uh, Top Gun. Was oh, it, uh, was it Legend? No, 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 no. It was the Vanilla um, Sky. No, it was the Hitman. I'm flying into L.A. I got 24 hours to go. Oh, uh, was it Collateral Damage? Was it, I think that's what it was called. But it was yeah. the first all digital him and uh, Jamie camera Fox. shot from beginning to end. Right? Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. But visually, he's going for something, and it's <clears throat> both of those are set in L.A. Bosch is set in L.A. And Bosch has a phenomenal deal where they do this like reverse field, like. Half the feet, half the screen is the city, and then the other half of the scene is the reflection of that city, and it creates this weird Michael Mann and Inception looking thing as he's driving through the city, 
So they pay particular attention to visually what does that that piece of the opening look like and then the music that's playing because it's setting a tone. Your mind is kind of getting right. into what's going to happen for the next you know thirty five minutes or whatever the show is going to last. Right. Um, but it that, surprises me how many TV producers or whatever just disregard all of that stuff. Well, that's that's what I like about the uh, the title music for uh, Orphan Black is it's very. Uh, Alice falling down the rabbit hole, mm-hmm. like trippy mm-hmm. Tim Burton. Yeah. Was that right? This is a band of the name that does that. Two fingers. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's the the mu- musician musical group. I'm not as familiar with that, them as. Yeah, that's but definitely you know the opening titles like for that show or from Blacks. You know, it sets the. But not only the theme, theme songs, but. I mean, because a lot of times at the end credits, they'll actually put a different... I mean, there's yeah. a theme song, and then there's right. an end credit song or something that is inserted somewhere in, in the show that you would never have heard before. Yeah, yeah. No, it like, completely uh, draws you in. Yeah, uh, right. what was it the other night we were watching? Uh, uh, Madman um, does that particularly well. Right. Madman, old old 60s stuff yeah, there. Yeah. The other night we were watching uh, Orange is the New Black and the... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are you guys done with season two? No, no, no. we're still we're still in season one. Still season you guys one. Kill me we're with we're their we're, we're trying that the we're doing the Pacific in yep. as well. Yep. So it's every other night. Has the violence ratcheted up for you? No, because we just got Have out. Have they of attacked the, the air airport yet? No, no, no. Okay. We we just got the one where the dudes. Not the, for a second, uh, I thought he was uh, talking about Orange is the New Black. I was like, <laughs> I don't remember him attacking the airport. Orange is the New Black is hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> we attacked the airport. No, uh, the Pacific one we last watched was the one where he uh, spends the couple weeks. Oh, in when the he hospital. goes back steak, stateside. No, back on the other state island. Or state, on, uh, I want some steak. Yeah, but no, it was uh, on Orange is the New Black. They had that. Where it was uh, crazy eyes, uh, peas in the floor in front of her. Yeah. <laughs> I don't Mark? give a shit. Never no, no, no. It wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't the S word. It's the F word. Remember? Oh, yeah. I guess I was asking that. Nothing like marking your territory. Marking it's a good show. Up. And so, like, with Orange is a New Black, and I think, so here's, uh, I read an article. Um, you did? Last week about, um, not Orange is a New Black. But about the Kevin Spacey series, oh, House of Cards, House of Cards, and it was talking about uh, story fatigue, right? And how all these are fairly conceptual stories that they again with the the American hit theory of like if Orange is the New Black, it stays popular. They'll make twenty ser- twenty episodes a season for ten seasons, right? Not that it needs that amount of time right. to tell a good story, they right? Could, they could cut it off and. Three, four, right, and uh, move on and do something else. Well, where... that, that's that ties back to what we had talked discussed before about you know everybody lamenting Firefly not going beyond thirteen, right? And I think it's perfect. that's the beauty of it. That's it's the, the Jimi Hendrix of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it, it maybe it didn't need more. Yeah, Morrison didn't need the time he needed, except for the time he got. Right. Yeah. So the and that's where they're talking like House of Cards, like the guys in season three's president. The, the entire one and two is about his insatiable desire, political desire to move to that. And they'll, um, and I haven't read really anything beyond titles on this because I don't. I just tried to start season three last night. I got ten minutes into it and I was like, eh, it's not hooking me. So I went and watched something else. But a lot of these orange and new black house of cards, like the the whole thing is like, can they continue a story season after season that wasn't meant? To, to be that long yeah well and that's uh, I'm still watching Better Call Saul um, I'm really I can't say that I'm as impressed 
with it as I was with Breaking Bad. You know, you take something, man, we have got to spin this off. Money, money, money. Right. You know, and it's like, I'm not convinced yet. I'm going to keep going with it. Because it's not like that unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, <laughs> you know. It's better than that, for, thank God. But, uh, you know, it's it's like from the first two episodes of that unbreakable show that we was, we was talking about, I cannot imagine them. Who suckered them into doing a, a two-season deal? They must have got that thing for a song just to write it off their books. Because I thought it was a turd. Which one? Kimmy? Maybe Unbreakable. They- Kimmy oh. Schmidt. Yeah, I was going to say maybe it's the that's how Tina Fey got on board. That's how they're marketing it. No, that, I'm sure. Yeah. It, like without knowing anything about it, never even heard of it. I'm sure it's a writer friend of hers that she said, "Yeah, I'll put my name on it." You know, and then it got a lot of steam behind it because oh my god, Tina Fey's involved. It's going to be Thirty Rock too, um, and then it's Thirty Rock negative yeah. five. Yeah, like I said before, last uh, before we wrapped up the first bit before drinks. I'd really be interested in seeing what y'all thought of it. Maybe I was just... I, I, I'll commit to you, and you may have to text me to remind me this later, to watching at least one episode of it, to just, it's if just I can concur that it's shit. It's 20, 24 minutes of pain. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, you put that official seal of approval yeah. on there. Yeah, I'm, so if I'm you're not, that, I, hear that, listeners, you need yeah. to go out and get 24 minutes. I can so that becomes can. the official <laughs> thumbs down of the show, is if it's 24 minutes of pain. <laughs> We should have a. I mean, it's no unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Unbreakable? Unbreakable. The unbreakable. It's no unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, but. But it sucks even worse. You may have the podcast title here 24 Minutes of Pain. (laughs) (laughs) I like this. Rat nuts. You had. Yeah, rat nuts and 24 Minutes of Pain. Out of five rat nuts, I gave it one and a half rat nuts. It's like the hustler hard on thing for like their. That's good. It's three quarters of rat nuts. This one is a total limp dick. <laughs> I have a. I didn't even have a chub. <laughs> Not even a semi. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, rat, rat so nuts. I think like I have because you know six months ago as a big Sons of Anarchy fan, I, I did try to dig into the music side because it's so music heavy. But it's it's it is such a like it's so difficult for me to keep up with the TV shows that I watch and who's doing what and all that stuff. That I felt like if I brought in the music side of it, I would be like completely bogged down with a bunch of stuff. I couldn't get to anything because it is it's 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 a super in depth part of this whole thing. But there, I, there's no way I could keep up with it. You know what's another movie that I always think when I think about music and and how it played a part in the movie um, is. Uh, Oh, uh, like Oh, Silence of the Lambs. Oh, I, th- yeah. I was going to say throw Mama from the Train, but <laughs> I didn't think he was going. Well, that you direction. know, I, music has become such a, a big thing, even if it's just the background to what you're doing. Like Paul came over earlier last week, and I was I was in the middle of a dungeon run, right, for World of Warcraft. So I turned the music up, and I said, "Nerd alert!" And it's super nerd <laughs> yeah, alert. Way nerd alert. But the the new thing that they've come out with is full orchestral things that they've spent a gazillion dollars on and it's it, i love orchestra symphony opera all that so well when me, i was when i was watching him play he turned up like you said he turned up the music i was like because i haven't played in a while i was like wow that it's sounds, full-blown that like sounds symphony good. music that was that was made and done just for that particular dungeon that you're running and every dungeon has its own music every zone has its own music and it and, the, and they put so much thought process into it that there's like a particular I don't remember the the song or whatever, but it, it's 
about how the the Orcus race has been so put upon and they've been killed and slaughtered and whatever that he kept the musicians going at this particular song for like 10 or 12 hours until they were so mad that they're about to walk out of the room. And he's like, now we record. You know what I mean? He, and then he wanted, once they got done and, and they was finally satisfied, he, he said, oh, I didn't hit record. Oh, oh bitches. He wanted that emotion in there. Yeah, he playing. wanted them to be so angry when they played the song that when you listen to it back in a video game, that the anger of the characters that you're seeing do the thing is portrayed in the music, right? And 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 if you go in ten years of like where World of Warcraft came out to where it is now, it's gone from you know, ding 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 ding, you know, kind of arcadey type music to full blown symphonies that are playing the music for that. So I do feel like across all mediums, like they get it, it it that that is elevates it, right? It is like good actors, good writing, good directors. And if it's really good music on top of that, it becomes this ethereal other type of thing. Well, and that, and that goes with uh, really top-notch editing, good music choices. You're just, if you have a great performance from actors, great script, great performance, you're only plussing it out by making it the full rounded experience. Right. And if I feel like if any way that American TV could benefit, it would be with good editors. Yes. And good set, second directors, man. I, I can tell when a scene is shot with a second director because, like, let's say there's two characters facing each other and talking. American TV is going to be over the shoulder shots down, over the shoulder shots up. Yeah. Back and forth as the dialogue goes on, where any any other country or whatever, their TV is going to be, there's going to be some establishing work. That they'll reference back and forth. There's going to be some weird through a window look, and all this other stuff that really kind of adds to whatever's going on. How you, how you compose the frame? If you right. have just straight back and forth, oh, it's cross cutting, so boring. And it's if you don't, uh, that's why if they have it like a two camera setup, right? And it's you you terrible. were you have it recording up, on while somebody's talking instead of showing them talking. Have that other camera going so you can see the re- cut in some reactions of. What is being said to yeah, the other person? And I don't need to see the camera pushed up on this person's face. No, uh, find an interesting angle. Yes, compose it. Find weird compositions. Show me a composition, an angle that somehow enhances what's going on. Yeah, like if it's like from I was just I'm thinking of a, a show that I watched not too long ago where it was a pretty intense scene in a very enclosed space inside of a barn. So the shots were outside of the barn in through a window and it built the tension of these people being in a small space where they slowly moved into them rather than just the back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And you're like, Oh, I'm getting dizzy with the reversible feel. But it was like all this compositional work that was gone into like elevate the scene. It wasn't the greatest scene in the world, but it definitely felt different as the editing and the composition built up. And, you know, an editor only has to work with what, the director delivers them. Hey, this here's what we shot. Edit it as best it can be done. Yeah. Well, uh, you can never underestimate the importance of having storyboarded out your the sequences and the action and the blocking before because it's just on paper. You right. can do it again and again and throw it away, and it's very cheap. But I think if that you so don't much- have interesting storyboard. 
uh, angles and storytelling. If it's not interesting on board, it's not going to be interesting with the. But actors I think that is vitally camera. that's missing from most TV. Yes, yes, it, they Show skimp up, they skimp on that, or they a, have put a attic. thing there, put a thing there, and let's shoot this as cheaply as possible and move yeah. on to the next thing. Yeah, it's it is much better to spend a huge amount of pre planning time blocking it out against uh, you know really edit your track to have the a lot of people discount uh, pregnant pauses between people talking. It's just jabber, 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 you know, nonstop. Um, shows like Parenthood that drive me crazy where everybody in the scene is talking over each other just constantly. Well, Castle, which I love, is the same way. They're dialogue wise. Absolutely hate that. Dialogue wise, there is almost zero downtime. That, it the, is that would wear me out. Line, 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 all that. the way through the show. And no, there's no pauses, yeah. no nothing. As soon as one <laughs> line is delivered, another line is picked up. But it's number one, they're trying to sell a certain amount of pacing and kind of fake up the action by the the, the dialogue pacing. Right. Um, and they realize that they're not working. I feel like the writers do, or the directors or editors, they feel like they're not working with a lot, so they got to just jam everything in there. Um, but yeah, I totally noticed that. There's no pauses between dialogue. It's is the second one dialogue A stops, dialogue B is right on top of it. Yeah, and I I, th- I think it's uh, for me it's about pacing more than anything. Is that you can do that, but you got to give people a a, a break, a sonic break, and it, don't be to, scared as to viewer, let let, some, you, let nothing be happening and just you know, right. let as people a viewer, look at can it. Can you absorb what's going on if there's never a second for you to stop and think? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't process like. what you've just seen. Or, yeah, yeah. and I think that's that's a very. I think a lot of people discount allowing that being part of the storytelling process is let the viewer just look at what what is is being laid out in front of them. And don't you don't have to spoon feed them everything. Let them be. Let them not know what's going on for a little bit, or let them totally know what's going yeah, on. And then out. the and the or protagonist let, doesn't know what's going on. Let the audience be. Oh, I know what's going on. Let the scene doesn't. transition. Yeah, um, they figure it out and go with it. Cool. Yeah. So we make some more drinks, and you have something you want to chat about. You need another drink. I'm still good. You don't. No, I'm good. Well, I do need a drink. I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm. And we're, it's about it. and, and if Brian doesn't have a drink, deserve. I feel like I deserve. <laughs> Don't you have a, a big, a big oak barrel full of Jack Daniels that you on the way? Go? Yeah, oh, where's, 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 where's this nine thousand dollar barrel of? Uh, it's on its way from Jack. Sam's Club. <laughs> Brian, Brian gets into a giant hefty bag, ties it up to his neck, and just dips down it. <laughs> so when I when I read that article, it said bag. it was said uh, Sam's Club now allows you to 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 purchase full barrel of Jack Daniels. Hmm, no, gentleman Jack. Gentleman Jack. Well, it didn't tell you that until you clicked on it. No. no. And then it's gentleman Jack. I was like, mm, this is going to be pricier than I thought. <laughs> and it, I don't know how many gallons it is, but it's that full wine cask. I mean, I would think that holds fifty gallons. Yeah, how much least, for yeah. how much for the nine thousand six hundred forty-four dollars or something like that? It's pretty insane. And then I was like, hmm. Is that saving money? Losing money? <laughs> yeah. He's trying to work out how many bottles is it? Yeah. Yeah. Am I getting a volume discount? Can alcohol evaporate over? I guess it could. Yes, it can. Yes, yeah. it can. It does. Yeah. And it does. It's got to have a seal it's on open. it. It's open. Yeah. It's a volatile chemical that evaporates like yeah. that. Yeah. All right, let's make some drinks and we'll be back.
Thanks for listening to that segment of the Binge Watch Podcast. You can find us online at www.bingewatchpodcast.com, on Twitter at BingeWatchPC, and on YouTube and Facebook by searching for Binge Watch Podcast. Everybody like you eat jalapenos the night before. Like, as I told Ron, I didn't remember eating corn. <laughs> When's yeah. the last time I had corn? <laughs> when did I have corn? Yeah, it's Jackson Pollock time. Yep. Time to FYI, time. I love it when you guys say stuff and you think I'm not recording. <laughs> Now Ron owes them $42,000. No. <laughs> so is this is this the opening scene from Office Space? <laughs> and you're just going to slink down and roll your window up? It wasn't me. All right, so in the, the piece that we recorded earlier today, I, I really like... Turn that shit off, Ron. <laughs> Yeah, you just cost that Brian. Was, that was the uh, ending music in the. His uh, name is Ron. If you need payment, let me know and I'll get you hooked up with him. That was the. Uh, we should give him a little love. Uh, what? Yeah. There. What is that? That was from the ending scene Boss. in. Um, yeah, that was by Boss. Right. And that was the I don't give a f. Okay. Um. F- so asterisk asterisk K. I talked a little. I just want to plug this really, really quickly because it was in the recording that we didn't snag earlier. And then, if you have anything to talk about, we yeah. can definitely transition. So, I watched one episode. It is called American Crime. It is on ABC's on Thursdays at nine Central. Um, it stars uh, Timothy Hutton, who I have not seen in anything that I thought was any good in probably twenty years. It's Taps. Since Taps in the Top Gun guy, and great, they were great movie doing their stuff, and then Felicity Huffman, which Goose, <laughs> Goose, what was she in? Oh, Desperate Housewives. Yeah, I never. Right. But Sports Night is where I know her from. You know who she's married to? No, I don't. Yngwie. William H Macy. Oh, is she? Oh, that's right. Yeah, is she? I was going to say Ingvae oh, Malmsteen. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, wow, um, that's, that's obscure. Yeah. I want to see Thank him you. in a duel with Guy Man Dude, who is the other blah, 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 guitar player from Guy that. Man Doo Doo. But I know her from Sports Night, which if you haven't seen that, fucking good, fucking. It's like ESPN with um, all that stuff. Dude gets sick, like uh, Benson <laughs> gets sick during. I don't know is Robert Goulet. Is that his name? I just said Benson. No, I was like, bro. <laughs> 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 All right, now I got to click over here, and <laughs> it is it's Robert uh, Guli Lama Guli Guliam. Yeah, Robert Guliam. Guliam. Yeah, that's it. He's the mayor's son, Guliam. <laughs> Benson. <laughs> but wasn't he on Benson? Yes, I just never did. I think we would ever reference Benson <laughs> ever. That's the point. Get obscure. So anyway, American Crime. 
One episode in on Hulu. I think it's two weeks into the run on ABC. We'll see how long it lasts. I'm really doubtful it's going to last for very long on ABC because it seems like it's really good. It's good and probably costs a lot of money to make. What is what is the name of the show? American Crime. American Crime. Okay. So the they promoted it pretty heavy uh, around the Super Bowl time. I think. Did they mm-hmm. see? I don't watch any of that stuff. I don't watch regular TV, so I never know like what's coming up post um, looking at blog posts or something like that. So it says the lives of the participants in a trial with significant racial motives are forever changed during the legal process. So the setup to for, kill is it to kill a mockingbird? Yeah, <laughs> yes. What? I think I think what's a uh, Boo Radley. Boo Radley did it. <laughs> um so Finch. it seems Atticus. it's one of those Atticus. multiple uh what was that movie, Magnolia, that had all those multiple storylines that eventually Tom all Cruise. came together? Yeah. Uh, Steel Magnolia. Respect the cock. No. Where he was that guy. Tom Cruise. Fried green. Actually really good. Fried green tomatoes. Where the, no. frog, where the frogs fell from the sky. He was the respect the cock guy. Remember, he <laughs> was the self-motivational, yes. like, men, take it back, respect the cock. <laughs> um, yeah. But it, men, are, men are so impressed. I know, I know. <sighs> God, it's it's... So good. Such a woman's finally, world out there. Finally, somebody's taken back what has been taken back from all of us men. But it Bring reminds me of that of Magnolia movie because it's all these different um, lives intersecting and coming back together as a result of the murder that, that that's driving this. Because even the mother and father haven't seen each other in like 10 years, right? And would not this murder occur, they wouldn't be coming back together, and they wouldn't, the, the story wouldn't be driving forward. And the, the other thing is, like, I really feel like Timothy Hutton, who's fairly terrible in that leverage <laughs> show... Should um, I be writing down every time you reference how terrible you think he is? Yes. <laughs> no, really. Yes, I'd because fill up this wall he's not here. thirty seconds to Mars. Then I, that, when I come back and say I really like his, I loved his acting in this first episode of this, and how good I, I thought it was relative to what he's been doing on TV for the last couple of years. Um, it's in in how it's shot, and it's not the over the shoulder switcheroo thing. It's, right, right. It's the establishing weird angles and all that stuff. It's super gritty, which ABC, like if you think about the AMC super gritty piece, is not their forte, right? Right. But I, I think now maybe with the, this show and a couple other things that they're experimenting with, they maybe have seen the light a little bit. Well, they're you know they're competing against HBO and AMC. They're like, mm-hmm. we better get on the train. Right. Because people actually want to watch stuff that's good. Yeah. Is what I feel they're finally that, waking up to. Like you was alluding to, that it's a big departure for ABC. I mean, Disney, hello. You know. Right. But it's not Touchstone vi- Pictures. It's <laughs> a very drug-driven, murder-oriented show. Yeah. And, it, and if you think, like, for me, and it hasn't gotten there yet. I don't know how it's going to get there yet. But the first <clears throat> uh, series, the first season of The Killing, for me, was super difficult to watch. Because it was this... Thing happens, a kid gets killed, and this family just tears itself apart for yeah. six or seven hours in front of you. 
and then it just never it ne- they you, never no saw. I think the case is still going on to this day. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I think they're still um, trying to figure out. See, you're such a product of American TV. Like you got 45 minutes to figure out who the fuck did this, and I, then I need to move on. I I, I I I gave them a full first season, waiting for some closure. It's like, what are you doing? Shooting this in real time? I mean, Jesus. Are we looking for Laura Palmer again? Uh, yes. <laughs> did we find her? Murder, murder, or what? They're but, redoing some Twin Peaks. Yeah, they're going to be like a return to Twin up. Peaks. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that it's a redo. It is a return. Right? Yeah, it's, a return, it's a return. Yeah. yeah so. is, who's did anybody read anything? Who's helming that? I thought uh, Lynch was yeah, going to be at least executive yeah. producing. I don't know if he's actually directing. Yeah, but yeah, he's not Lynch. on. The, he's not boots on the ground, so to speak. Yeah, I may yeah. not. So American Crime one show, and it is like in in in. Typically, I'll give forty five minutes to a drama, and I'm in or I'm out. Because it is such a time commitment, there's so much out there. Was it this? You just, I, I think I'm in. Just, was it you just making fun of me for the forty five four hours, uh, twenty four minutes, twenty four minutes, twenty four minutes of pain? There, there will n- never be a time in your life where you will not be able to say, "Weren't you just making fun of me?" <laughs> I just woke up in the morning. My hair. Oh, weren't you just making <laughs> my, fun of me? Yeah, my hair. My hair. Oh, by the way, Twin Peaks, twenty sixteen. Uh, it's going to be directed by David Lynch, r- oh. written by David Lynch and Mark Frost. Dune. Dune, Dune, Dune. I don't know. So I'm anyway, a Dapper Dan man. Come I'm a Dapper man. I don't know. Two weeks. You stay out of the Woolworths. <laughs> am, am I banned from the one? What the whole my hair. <laughs> my, yeah. my hair. I'm gonna goddamn Patras Familius. <laughs> any show I that, love that. I love that. I know movie. anything no that goes starts uh, has any type of Latin speaking. It has got me hooked right there. <laughs> and so, uh, Clooney is comic gold in that. Oh, he's <laughs> genius. Which I really feel that more than drama or being the cool guy is his forte, his funny side. Yeah, but he eschews that because the money. Is on the actiony drama side. It doesn't matter. It's side. all good. Yeah, yeah. Ginger loves herself. Some George He's got Clooney. a big old Peter. <laughs> He's built. Like I do a- not know that for a fact, but it could be true. He's- but if I was to theorize, <laughs> I saw him do a handstand with neither no hands or feet on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Ginger loves herself. Some George Clooney. Like I love myself. Some Tina Fey. He did. He did a forearm. Although, hey, you got the good end of that stick. Although, Tina Fey versus George Clooney. Like, well, I have to put maybe uh, maybe more Kate Beckinsale versus George we, Clooney. George Clooney is in your top five. Where? Oh, he's probably top three. Top three. And Tina Fey's in your top three. Yes, you would be. Yeah. You got a bad top three. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm saying. So, yeah. do you have a show you want to talk about or a subject you yes. want to diverge upon? Yes. Here comes the bass. Yeah. Uh, I wanted Hello, to... can you go? What a brother got to know. No. <laughs> uh, mine for this week is a show we kind of talked, uh, we mentioned earlier, I think in this podcast again, uh, Firefly, of how it was gone before its time. And one of the shows that I went to uh, uh, discuss uh, that was I thought was, was gone before its time. Thomas the Tank Engine? Uh no, you know where the you know where I go where I'm going with this once I start setting up here. Barney and uh, friends. <laughs> uh no, it's um Big not Barney. Or, oh, I guess. Do you want to you, you want to tell her? That, you want to no, tell us? I don't know. Or have her Ginger, guess. is that really fair that you uh, his wife might have a guess? Hmm. I don't yeah. know. We we don't discuss Much. podcasts. Yeah, we have not discussed this. Uh, not disclosed, plans. Okay, I've not disclosed this information whatsoever. Oh. What you, else you have you guess? told us? Does it start with arrested to end with development? No, it does not. 
<laughs> okay, never mind. Although that is one we should discuss th- at some point. I think Does you- it start with an ick and end with a D? <laughs> <laughs> What? I think you used up every one of your Scrabble tiles on that guess. There, didn't you? <laughs> You're gonna have to redraw from the pile. I, mean, I got a Q and a Z. <laughs> no, I'm a big fan of. I'm a sci-fi fan, and uh, grew up with Korth with Star Trek and uh, the original series, and then uh, Star Wars and all that. So I'm a big sci-fi nerd. Uh, love those type of shows. And from our wheelhouse days, uh, early in the '90s, we were. Got to, to have late late eighties, early nineties. We got sci-fi, Babylon Five, sci-fi stuff like the Predator stuff. Kind of buy a vowel. <laughs> and um, bingo. Yes. <laughs> but the one I wanted to see, I want to talk about was the other franchise was the um, the Terminator franchise and the short love ser- series TV series Terminator the Sarah. Sarah Connor Chronicles. Sarah Chronicles. Sarah Chronic. It was the Chronicles Chronicles of Sarah. Does she have? But it was a series that was out in uh, 08 and 09. Oh, Summer Glau? Yeah. Man, she is the killer of shows. (laughs) The Summer Glau curse. Yeah. I think we mentioned this once before. Yeah, we we talked talked about that. Well, we got on the Summer Glau issue talking about her. But yeah, it was, you know, Summer Glau and it was uh, Lena Headley. Uh, Hetty and then uh, Thomas Decker, uh, Shirley Manson from Garbage, the lead singer of Garbage, was in it. And it was it was interesting that you know it started out kind of with a bang. They started it as a half season, I think, right after the Super Bowl. Fox did that year, yeah, in '08, and it was the um, the highest rated show of the year, um, the debut, and I think the series itself maintained ratings that first half season, and it was the highest rated. Um, show of the 07 08 year, and then so they renewed it. Fox renewed it for a full season the following year, and it uh, then kind of started to slow to slow down uh, ratings wise after that. It fell from like I think the in the it, year. Did it make it to a second season? Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's one of those shows when it first the first few episodes, I was like, Yes, I am watching this, and then it sort of disappeared off my radar. I don't know if they put it in a hiatus for a little bit, and then I was just like, eh. Yeah, there was a little bit of that, I think. That I hate they, that. That they, there was a little bit of time before the second second season started up, and then, uh, so that probably didn't help them continue on that audience Yeah, to keep it going. Um, but there's some interesting premises in there, and I'm kind of, you know, I, I love the whole, I love time travel stuff. I'm a big fan of like 12 Monkeys, and I love the sci-fi time travel type of things, and how uh, things in the in the future, you know, going back to the past and and all that, but so it had some interesting premises. They basically discounted Terminator Three. It was basically taking place after t- the events of T Two, right? Uh, it shouldn't Terminator Three be discounted in every way possible? <laughs> wow. Quite possibly. In fact, I think actually the new Terminator movie is coming out this summer uh, is doing that. I think they're they're bypassing. T three and, and they are, and I salvation. think it's discounting its own self. From it's getting terrible, like well, pre reviews. Just seeing the snippets with Arnold Schwarzenegger, it's, it's hard to recapture that magic, you know. Well, I mean, yeah, too. I mean, you know, he yeah. just it's like, who is that big old dude? Yeah, and it's like, how can you? Well, they they they're explaining it from what I've heard, what I pre read about the new Terminator movie is that they're they're how they're explaining that it's that a sixty year old sixty year old Terminator. Is that he was sent back in time before 
events of the you know the eight you know the original events in eighty four. And he's organic. He sent back twenty. Yeah, he's an orga- he, he, so his he's organic. His self aged, aged like a human, right? But right. he's still pure evil lo- or love. On <laughs> well, the no, side. he's he's another one of the protector terminators. Yeah, yeah. You know? That was sent back, but they overshot the mark and sent him back too early. He ended up being in the fifties, I think, and so he ages um, till or sixties or whatever it was. However, they explain it. So he ages. So he basically hmm. it's, it takes place. It's basically a retelling. It's a reimagined kind of like a la Star the year Star Trek. Oh, it's a, a reboot, a different a, reboot, a different yeah. timeline. You know, basically since he was around, you know, the um, Reese. From what I tell, this is all just conjecture. What I'm seeing in the previews is Reese shows up. And there's already a liquid metal Terminator trying to kill him, uh, so that doesn't create John Connor. And then uh, Sarah Connor's already been warned by the old Terminator that's been there for years. Basically, has been guarding her since from her growing up as a child. Has been guarding her, and then he goes and and kills. Then he's battling the. You know, basically, it's. In a way, it, it, I think it's probably where people are feeling down about it is that it's a retelling of T two. In a way, you know, there's a there's a eight T one hundred versus a liquid metal Terminator, and okay, we've seen that before. But I remember uh, when I first when they that first movie with the liquid metal Terminator T two and yeah the T two and they uh, and that when that used that grenade launcher, I guess it was, and when it exploded him in half. Yeah, and he's staggering. How when I saw that, I think I saw it in the th- original in the theater. I was blown away by that. It doesn't hold up as well. Oh now. yeah, it's, for its day, it was it cutting was edge stuff. You know? Fairly well. It's not. Terrible. It's not. It's not terrible by launch. It's like it's not mash special effects to oh today. <laughs> uh, it's like um, I saw a. a I think it was on Reddit. It may have been on Reddit. When I, <laughs> of where I course, saw this. it was on Reddit. It was talking about Paul, why Paul, did when you say you see, read, know anything, <laughs> I assume it's off of Reddit. It's right. either it's coming from Reddit. It's either Reddit or somebody on Reddit stole it from Dick. Or, either one, or Huffington or, Post, or you wrote it on Reddit. Are you porn <laughs> under my pseudonym Ratnets? <laughs> the um, they were talking about why has the original Jurassic Park held up so well. And somebody who works in the effects industry weighed in and said, it's because a lot of the, the scenes were shot, it's nighttime. Right. And you can hide a lot of stuff. Yeah. And that helps tremendously. He, he said the effects hold up well anyway, but being at night, it makes it much more, it hides a lot of things. Right. Well, how much of the stuff, like even speaking of T2, how much of those scenes are shot? At night, yeah. or in low lit situations, yes. you know, and that ha- that helps tremendously yeah. with. There's only well, there's only a few daylight stuff like the 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 truck chase scene where he's in the giant wrecker truck and he jumps off. You know, the T two. It's still metal. like if you go back and watch T two, the only thing that it kind of takes you back a little bit of is the liquid metal guy. I yeah. mean, things have gotten so far advanced in that area that yeah. it's a little bit difficult to take now but I think well, all the one, practical when he, stunts when he, and stuff when is he, not bad when he pulled up and came out of the uh, the black and white checker the floor, floor right that's yeah. like they did that for a reason because that's that's easy to blend out of right yeah for and then the, you know, the, stuff like the fire when the when the truck explodes you know and and the fire and he comes walking out of the fire after they ride after they've already ridden off 
that little looks a little hokey because it's daylight, it's bright light, a lot of fire in the background, so it's you know it it doesn't hold up as well as some of the other darker scenes. You yeah, know, yeah, like you're saying. Is, when the the first thing thing that you said when you brought up the Sarah Jessica Jessica Sarah, Sarah Connor Connor Sarah Connor Chronicles Sarah the Chronicles of Jessica your your boy which you got put up on your screen there from Deadwood was right. So Garrett Dillahunt yeah <laughs> is. That was the age, Paul Dillahunt. <laughs> that was the first thing to my that came to my mind because I can't tell you how many of my favorite shows this guy is in. Yeah, like he's a good actor. This yeah. and oh, he's he was a, he was the dude that killed uh, Wild Bill. Hickok. Yes, yeah. and then he in comes Deadwood. back. So in season one, he plays the guy that kills Wild Bill Hickok, and his facial expressions and how he acts was so unique that se- season three he comes back and plays a different character. And unless you know who Garrett Dillahunt is, you don't know it's D- Garrett Dillahunt on screen. Is is he one of these guys that he he's such a good character actor that he can he's you don't pigeonhole him? He totally pulls it off. So yeah, if you know what I like, let me read through a couple of uh, let me the stuff that he's been on. It, it boggles my mind the stuff that he's been on that I, that I like. Deadwood was the first time I saw him, so he plays Francis Wilcott. And Jack McCall. Jack McCall is the one that shot um, mm-hmm. Dude. Yep. And he comes back a couple seasons and plays another guy. And that's the first time I've ever seen that on a modern TV show where they, the actor is so good, they bring him back to, to, play, another to play another character. From a, different from a previous character, he was there to and play. And actually, Francis Wilcott, who is a psychopath, is one of my favorite characters of all times. And he has this scene where he's walking down the street talking to himself about vengeance and about how he cannot now this is not the the verbiage that he's saying but he's expressing in, in the verbiage that he's saying which is about being about love and being caught by surprise by life he's talking about vengeance and a bunch of other stuff that it's one of my favorite scenes of, of all time and he's just walking down a muddy street pissed off in a psychopathic mood about what he needs to do based on what's been done to him Huh. And 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 it's 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 awesome. So then he's in Law and Order, ER. Oh my God, he was actually in John from Cincinnati. How old is he? <laughs> is he in his fifties? No, no, he's probably our age. Huh. He was in Damages, which is a great series. If you have not seen that, you're missing out. It's Glenn Close in that, right? Right. Yes, um, and he was in Life. Which uh, starred the guy who was the captain um, from Captain uh, Damon Lewis, who was in A Band of Brothers. He was Captain uh, Winter, the redheaded guy. Oh, yeah. I know who you're talking about. He was in Captain Captain Shuttlecock. Shuttlecock. What? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) How did that. Then he was he was in life. He was in Terminator, the Sarah Jessica Chronicles. Sarah. <laughs> Sarah Jessica. Chronicles. Sarah Chronicles. Sarah Jessica, Jessica Parker Chronicles. <laughs> yes. Sex in Horse the Face Chronicles. Terminator in the City. <laughs> he went to he went Good to ball. he was Thank in you. an episode of Lie to Me, which I love that series. He was in White Collar. I love that series. Uh, he was in The Glades. I love that series. He was in Alphas, which was okay. Um, he was in Killing Me Softly with uh, Brad with, Pitt. With, with his song? Yep. He was in Looper. Ginger got it. <laughs> he, he, he was in Burn Notice, which 
Love me some Burn Notice. You that, just like her. Oh, Burn gosh. Notice. Was that the one with Dennis Leary? No, Burn Notice starred. Let me click on over yeah, here. I can't remember her name. Um, Gabrielle Anwar, who, since she played Dagny and Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I know you're talking about. Top five forever. So, <laughs> what was that series, Fire Department series that Dennis Leary was in? Oh, Rescue Me. Rescue Me. Okay. Yeah, totally different deal. Is that but, any um, it, Rescue Me yeah. is great. Oh, okay. Oh, you okay. should totally watch that. It's really, really good. Um, so, he was in Elementary. Love. And now this season he's in Justified, which is like one of my favorite series of all time. Oh, wow. And he's just, I don't know how Dillahunt does it, but he always lands these, and they're not bit parts, but they are supporting parts in series after series after series. But that was the first time, first thing you said, Ron, when you said Sarah Chronicles Jeffrey Horseface was <laughs> the, the Garrett Dillahunt Garrett is Dillahunt, in there. Yeah. yeah, he was one of the, the Terminators. Yeah, and I don't huh. re- I don't remember specifically. He was an investigator, then gets taken over or gets uh, duplicated by a Terminator. Whatever. Yeah, and he's a liquid metal guy, right? No, no, no. He's an original. He's a T eight eighty eight. But he looks like the police officer, and that's how he keeps showing up. Right, right. Yeah, that's he basically uh, kills the police officer and takes his his form. Takes his skin off. What is he? How does he? Yeah, if he's not was, liquid metal guy, that was one of the kind of the hokey things. His don't they show, show him like taking the, all the guy's skin off in a bathtub or something like that? Yeah, first they had him at the bottom of a well, and then they lowered down a bucket. It, it puts the lotion <laughs> on, on his skin, skin right. or else it gets the hose. You're going again. a long way for that one, Paul. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd, <laughs> yeah, that's not the first time Paul's heard that. <laughs> But yeah, it was explained by the you know they did the, the show in order to get it into two thousand seven to make budget you know as the show was being made to get the uh, you know current they had to like go back okay wait a minute we always got to think about we're doing this in nineteen ninety nine there's supposed to be so many years after the events of T two but so they did a time jump you know from nineteen ninety nine to two thousand and seven in there right the Summer Glau Terminator and Sarah Connor and John Connor did this jump. Well, then this Terminator follows him or, or, or comes through the jump as well, but he's damaged. He's messed up. So uh, and all his skin's gone. He's just you know an endoskeleton, a partially uh, operational endoskeleton. So he repairs himself, but then he has to redo his skin. And in doing that, he finds somehow they explain it that he's there's some guy doing artificial skin you know uh, are grafting you, are you about a size 14 <laughs> silence of the wait family. wait yeah. wait was she a real big real big woman was she a big woman she a big fat woman a big fat woman fat girl I need some help putting this in the back of my van maybe <laughs> my arm <laughs> I got a broken arm you can uh, you gotta put this in the back of my VW van but anyway they, uh, they explain tuck his junk back and dance around but yeah your boy Garrett was um was the dude he basically killed the FBI agent and took when his he face. showed up and he, he's in episode one of this season's first episode of Justified. I did a fist pump when I was, I was like, This guy <laughs> always fucking brings it, nerd, nerd. I know, but I've yet to ever see him in a series where he didn't elevate it in some way, yeah. no matter said, how bit part he was. You said that show Alpha was just okay, it's did okay. He, did he up? Up it I think a he plays a, uh, one of the bad guys for one episode. Did it? It's did not. It, yeah. Was it a good episode? He was in. Yeah, dude. And um, he was great in both Deadwood pieces. Every episode, like Lie to Me, the episode he's in, he brings it. Like he's not. He um, he reminds me a little bit of Harry Dean Stanton. Not that he's Harry Dean Stanton, but 
if you ever saw Harry Dean Stanton in a movie, he's a bit part. Yeah. But he always like made an like uh, he made an impact, right? Right. Yeah, he, he he goes all out. He owns the role. And mm. and and Garrett is he, he was in. Oh my God, what was the funny? I did one of the few Raising Hope. Did you guys ever watch that? No. Nope. Here's the premise for Raising Hope, and I'm not going to read it. Is this a series? TV series? I've I've seen like half of one. So it's a it's a, a two hillbillies that got married when like when they're 17 and had a kid. That kid then grows up to when he's 16, he has sex with a serial killer lady who then has his baby and is executed while she's in prison. Hope. The baby or? The kid. No, the the serial killer lady, the mother, is executed in prison and and Hope is the little baby that comes out of that. So it's it's Garrett and the wife. And oh my gosh, the wife is... uh, Yeah. Um... Martha Plimpton. Yeah. And, Which um, I like her. Yeah, I love her too. And if you've ever, you've, you wrote what, Raising Hope, it was super, it was like married with children times psychopath, right? It was. It definitely took that whole thing and darker. Took, yeah, darker and a little bit dumber at the same time. Was it, a, it was like a dark comedy or? Yeah. And so they bring Hope, who's the little baby of their child, their son, and the serial killer home, and they try to raise her as this little family. Yeah. It's their grandchild, and he plays the dad, and Garrett's like my age, and he's already got grandkids. It, and, can, uh, it can happen. Martha Plimpton, I remember from all those movies she made when she was young and she was a teenager, all those teenager-type movies, and uh, uh, Garrett is Dillahunt is the father, and Lucas Neff, who's just some dude, I don't, some young guy, <laughs> plays the the. But and it's really really funny, um, and he normally doesn't play this type of role. His role is the real serious, almost psychopath guy, and he was phenomenal in Raising Hope. Phenomenal, twice. I said it twice, Paul. Fuck you. you said it. Yeah. You said it correctly once. <laughs> you stumbled it the first time, <laughs> yeah. then. You- Gave me the stink eye and corrected yourself. I'm just sitting over here. Go ahead, roll with it. <laughs> yeah, roll with it. But anyway, the Sarah Jessica Barnacles. Sarah Connor. Barnacle. AKA Rat Nuts. The Rat Nut Chronicles. Sarah Barnacle. It's it's a it's a it's you know, if you're into the whole Terminator thing the sci-fi it's worth checking out it does at the very end and it kind of I was kind of disappointed that it didn't that they Fox canceled of course Fox cancels everything they're idiots they there. they ruined they burned to the ground everything they touched <laughs> right anything, anything good to, what pray to God that it's not on Fox they're just it's not, not willing lie. to stick with anything they're right, not willing yeah. to stick it out oh. Did you make this series in a certain order? Let's start with their episode three, right? Yep, yep. And then just as just as the Terminator thing jumps to a new timeline to like set up the next series. Oh, sorry, we're not coming back. That's just the way it's gonna. You know, I, no, I no watched resolution. that show. We watched it together. Yeah, and and I found it. I remember thinking that they were trying to cram a lot of stuff. Well, they were. It, yeah, it was it was hard to keep up. Well, because they were doing the whole thing of, you know, well, there's more Resistance fighters coming back in time, more Terminators coming back in time. So one would pop up in order to, like, make each series, each episode more interesting and, and keep things moving along. And, and instead of just like, oh, we're always running from this one Terminator, there's there's other people involved. Like, you know, Kyle Reese's, you know, brother comes back in time. That was Brian Austin Green's character. You know, he comes back as a... As a the know, only thing Mr. that he Mr. ever did that was quality was a banging Megan Fox. Married her. That's his, did, uh, that's his wife. Did David Cameron retain <laughs> Smart man. 
partial control? Does he retain any type of control? Who's David Cameron? Uh, you mean Jim Cameron? Oh, Steve Cameron? <laughs> <laughs> Jessica Cameron? <laughs> Circa Jessica Barnacle Particles. <laughs> so uh, does James Cameron. James. Jimmy. Does he, Jimmy. Is his brother David, is he still involved in the series? <laughs> or what's going on? What's going on with that? I mean... <laughs> It's like it's like Patrick Swayze and his ugly sort of troll-like brother that looks like him. Yeah, his brother. Jim Cameron is like only the biggest director on earth. <laughs> so we're calling him David. Cameron. David, David Cameron is David the, Cameron has a horse face. Looks like Sarah Jessica Parker. Isn't, isn't, isn't David Cameron? Isn't isn't David Cameron? Isn't he the British Prime Minister? <laughs> is that? I think, I think that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Whoops. He's. George W.'s bitch, I he's, think is how he's going to re- remember I, by history. I, I just thought he was phenomenal. 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 no, I don't think Cameron had any... David Cameron. Well, actually, no. David Cameron, Amy. They're given. We shall shall only refer to him as Cameron. James Cameron is given uh, writing credit for thirty-one episodes of all thirty-one episodes of the uh, Sarah Connor. No, yeah, I think he was pretty involved. But the other thing that that reminded me, and so was Gail Ann Hurd, who was. uh, They did thirty. They did thirty-one episodes. Thirty-one episodes of that show. Yeah. I saw like maybe five. Second season was <laughs> second season was seventeen episodes. First, first. I don't know that the second season I caught. Maybe that was. I think it may have been moving houses, which typically that I think that why that happens every I didn't six watch months, it. right? Yeah. I didn't watch well, it, so I think that may be why it got canceled. Part of the issue, oh, yeah, right? You didn't watch it, and then part I of the, represent uh, like two hundred fifty thousand people in the United States. There you go. Part of it also was the uh, I just read the Writers Guild strike. Ooh. Back then, oh yeah, yeah, basically yeah. delayed it from most of the first season to the end of the first season. So they You're right, that's they what, didn't that's get what be, they didn't be able to show them in order. So or, or for a except for a long delay, yeah, because kind of lost I, steam. I, I initially had thought it was just put on hiatus like they so often do now, which I hate. But you're right; it was the writer strike delayed it just long enough that I, it just went off my radar. Yeah, and that's what I think probably happened to a lot of people. Is it on Netflix? Yeah. Uh, I say that, but I don't know. I don't think so. I don't don't think it is. Let me check. You check. But the other thing I, I, because I was watching these these two shows concurrently, and I I wasn't a huge fan of the show, and it's gotten fairly mediocre ratings, but it was at the same time. Oh, yeah. I remember was was uh, uh, Bionic Woman. Kimmy Schmidt. And I watched Bionic (laughs) Woman because um, Katie Sackhoff, Jumped from Battlestar Galactica to Bionic Woman, and she was the bad Bionic Woman in. in I don't there. remember that at all. Mm-hmm, it, it was it was out right at the same time as Barnacle Sarah Jessica Parker's thing. <laughs> um, Who lives in a pineapple under the sea? <laughs> <laughs> but so it got canceled. Did she marry it, David Cameron? <laughs> I think so. They live in England. I, now. You know, <laughs> when I was in college, I think I had sex with David Cameron. Um. So, but it was right. Phenomenal. The, it was right in the same time Phenomenal. period, and both of them kind of got broke up because of the same thing. The writers' strike hit. All those shows went off the air. Anything that was new got killed because their people were the the youngest, and they were out. What does this have have to do with David Cameron? 
<laughs> Nothing has to do with David Cameron. Except, I know. <laughs> except for Downton Abbey. Maybe that's the only thing that we could talk about that may considerably involve David Cameron. BBC? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know me. Uh, <laughs> I'm down with BBC. Yeah, yeah you know me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So while Ron's looking for naked women on his on his phone, I'm looking up Sarah Connor. It is not available on Netflix, nor is it available. Currently. I didn't think it is because I it's haven't not seen on it Amazon anywhere. Prime currently either. So yeah. you, you're talking about a show that we currently can't watch anywhere, exactly. except on DVD. What and, is and that? Blu-ray. I think it's it's locked down. Yeah, well, you, uh, it'll, have, it'll come back on each. And one, I have one of those I have or, currently one disc a month or one disc at a time plan on. Netflix. Yeah, yeah so. that's what we have. Yeah. Yep. So there was there was a, a briefly mentioned it last podcast, and I wanted to revisit the show because it, it is is great. It's really flying under the radar, I think, for the most part. People either love the show or they've never heard about it, or they're like, "Yeah, maybe I think I saw a thing about that, but I have no idea what it's about, so I'm not tuning in." But last podcast, I talked about how we we had a conversation about how. Bravo and the History Channel and all that shit was dropping the Real Housewives of all, all the reality of Electra and bringing back like what made them what they are right Honey, honey Boo actual Ra- history honey, honey, actual history <laughs> Honey Boo Boo Radley so on the History Channel the the TV series Vikings airs oh, you said that was really good right it is really good and the, season three just started <clears throat> and there's a lot of reasons why I think it's good it has a really good cast Vikings. About some Viking and dudes. Vikings kick butt. Well, they do, but what? Like you could roll a show out about the Vikings and just be all about the slaughter and mayhem that they did, and they worship these war gods and they kill people, and so yeah. on and so forth. However, a, a good part of the show is spent about explaining to the uninitiated, the the dummies. Um, did you just check to make sure it's recording? I did. It is recording. Uh, it is. We're at 36 minutes. Of not only were they extremely warlike people, like why were they like that? What was the driver behind it? And that they, they were, were always cold. They were freezing. They want to get the <laughs> fuck out of that place. That's not really that far from the truth. They wanted arable land where they could farm and and raise uh, kids and arable and, women. Why would you want arable women? To raise kids. Okay. Fertile women? Plow their fields, I meant. <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about procreation, Ginger. I'm, I'm, God yeah. damn it. <laughs> Be fruitful and multiply. When yeah, is, when is very Paul biblical. not talking about procreation? <laughs> Big word alert! Even in my sleep. <laughs> So they go to great lengths to explain how, like the the Vikings and all remember, of the remember, Viking. Remember the best people. part about having kids is making them. That's right. Yeah, and then it's all downhill from there. It's time to practice. Let that's, me get the jump suit. That's a Dangerfield line from Easy Money. Yeah. So about how women were no back to school. Sorry, women were very prominent in that culture, like the Druidic culture, the North culture. The women, as large long as they can of land. tow the land, tow the line. She's got large tracks. Of yeah, land. and he makes the booby signals. <laughs> well, nice one. I I'm the, just, I'm, that's carrying groceries. I say the positive thing, and I take it all away with the hand motions. <laughs> that's all right. But they were very pro women. As long as you were a woman that could stand up, go toe to toe, you were allowed to do whatever. It wasn't like the rest of the world at that time, which was very anti woman, subservient. 
So they it was go a with, matriarchal society. Yeah, they yeah. Valued it, it was, the women's. They valued the women's contribution. The Celtics did. The Druids did. It was very female balanced, right? But and didn't property pass down through the woman's yeah, side? Was, they were they were people too, right? Right. And then all the cultures that supplanted that were women or shit, and we can't leave them stuff because they're dumb and they don't know what to do and. Like they show women, women uh, in this. Like obviously, with anything Viking related, there's no written language. They didn't write anything down. They would do runes that meant meant things, but it wasn't like, hey, let me sit down and write a story for you. It was like a ruin, a rune that meant something that was related to Odin. It was on my sword, and I chopped people's head off with it. It's like a hieroglyph or something, right? Like that. But Pet- they did. They did have a, a big uh, a thing about <laughs> uh, what are called shield maidens, which were the the women that would go out into battle and fight with them, and be on equal footing with the men in terms of battle, in terms of input, into what the tribe would do, and the and the, and the the kingdom and everything. So it was super cool in terms of what I what I really like about it. like with any show like this, it's on the History Channel. There's only so much accuracy that you can bring to stuff that there's no written record about. Right. right? There's a lot of we're going conjecture to. <laughs> and piecing things together. And archaeologically speaking, we can say thus and such about this culture. But then once they, they hit Europe and the, the, there's a lot of writing about what occurs in terms of like once they start invading lands that we're actually writing stuff down. It's a secondhand testimony on what they appeared uh, to, to be about and who they from were from somebody who's attacking us, right? And so the the cool part of the series is, and they are in season three, is that they are following fairly closely to what we understand about the main characters. The main characters in Vikings are historical characters. Travis uh, Flimmel, who is, if you watch Sons of Anarchy, Anarchy is much like the guy that that plays in that series in terms of. How they play their character and how everything goes. They're pretty similar guys. But he plays uh, Ragnar Lothbrook. Of course. He does. Which is a historical character. The person that plays his wife is playing a historical character. So on and so forth. And what we know of them, they are following fairly closely what that storyline was from them being Vikings and then um, the north to where they invade England and so on and so forth. So, But what they're doing is filling in a lot of blanks. With right. character developments and, and plot points and so on and so forth. Now, would you would you say that the the male female lead have equal footing in this series, or are they leaning? Considering that is a matriarchy, are they leaning a little bit more towards the male lead? Or well, I was Travis Fimmel. The Ragnar Lothbrook is the tip of the spear to keep on the military tip. However, the the two women that are around him, which is his current wife and his previous wife, are off pursuing just as much as he is, like the, farmland and conquering. And they're all three of them are earls in that the political structure that they have for the Vikings. So it, it, it isn't that they're downplayed, but obviously any any series has to say, hey, here's kind of the guy that this is about. But he shares a significant amount of screen time with females, which is different than what you would see in most things. And it's because that's how the Vikings were. Right. It wasn't the whole Druidic Vikings northern uh, people thing was very balanced between female and male. Unlike southern Europe, which is 
extremely male dominated and the women right. did dishes and stayed barefoot and all that stuff. So we mentioned that super previous or super uh like two minutes in the other podcast, but I wanted to make sure we revisited that in some detail. Cause I'm thinking I'm three episodes into that season and it's really, really, really good. I think that would have been maybe since uh, how many seasons just one has run three have gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would have been interesting to like do a season from his point of focusing on him and then do another season with one of the females, you know, to focus on as a strong lead character. Cause there's the, especially the past few years, there's been a lot of, uh, talk about minorities' roles in in media, in in film and TV, uh, women's roles in in as strong leads and not just oh, damsel in distress. <laughs> I, I totally agree with you. And one of the books series I've been trying to get you to read forever, the Black Company. Yeah, the third book in is called She Is the Darkness. Oh, okay. so. Uh, Every book is from a different character's perspective in this group of characters that you get to know. Third one in is She is the Darkness, which is like the main female character that you get to know. She takes over and becomes a storyteller in book three, and then it moves on to somebody else in book four. Do you know if that that book series has ever been picked up for option for anything? I don't know if it's ever been optioned. It would be difficult to do because it doesn't make, like one of the books doesn't make sense a lot. A lot of sense without the context of the others, right? If that there's it's it's a it's a very like it again. Like I said, I think I said in a pod, couple of podcasts before. Like I love a a story that starts in the middle. Yeah, starts you the, in the middle of the action. You have to figure it out on, on the way. Much like like Middle Earth, this story starts and there's like 800 years of history previous that builds up to the moment of the storytelling beginning of book one, right? And then it takes off from there. So it's it's really hard to do because contextually it's so complicated. I do have the, on your recommendation, I do have the first book. I need to go back. I think I had like several books going at once and I I, um, I put it down and just never came back to it. So I, I need to go back to that again. And it's just like any type of media. Sometimes it may be something that is worth investing time in, but you, for whatever reason... Like Orphan Black, the first episode I saw, I was like, eh. And then I went back and gave it another shot, and I was like, oh, this is amazing. So, Vikings, by the way, is uh, two seasons are available on uh, Amazon Prime. And then the third season... You have to pay for They make you pay for it. Yes. But it's current. It's, it's, uh, I mean, it's just there's only like three episodes that are available. It's 2015. I guess it's currently there. Is that history? History Channel. History. Which, you know, the the big part that we're talking about last podcast when you weren't here, Ginger, Ginger, was all these genitals. When all these (laughs) TV shows that were on all of the TV channels that were supposed to be about something specific all became about the Real Housewives or some type of... Bravo went from like, hey, we're about this really highbrow entertainment to the worst of the worst of the worst reality TV. But now the, the, the worm has begun to turn, thank God, and bring them back to first full circle in there. Well, yeah, we talked about that last week is that, um, like the worst example you can like toddlers in tiaras or, yeah. or uh, honey boo boo. All those. And, <laughs> and then there was that big blow up that they had to cancel honey boo boo. Cause 
apparently the mom, the Child guy, the, yeah, yeah, the the the, the man in the the boyfriend so, he was a child molester and it blew up oh, and they yeah. said they right. said we are canceling wash their hands of it yeah. so okay. we have did ron did you tell it to, um, he's a, a friend of ours is married oh, yeah, to yeah, yeah. um no, I didn't. A, a guy that we know is married to a good friend of mine and he lives in la they moved from new york to la and he started working for the history channel and was doing um these really great um um, um documentaries and one of them he even has an emmy uh, one one the one that he worked on was nominated and won an emmy and it you know um history channel was bought by lifetime so now his job is to do things like um dance bombs and things like that he's got to be like one slid his rare i don't know i mean i've never talked to him about um because he married my friend so i don't i don't know him as well but um, I've never talked to him about how he feels about that. It's a very lucrative job, I think. I think he, he it pays well, and I think it's you know he has a, a a pretty high level position for what he does. But you can't. I mean, you're going from this to to this. Well, and that, that's the interesting thing about you know you think about that and you you people's reaction to oh you you was the showrunner on Honey Boo Boo. You know, but when I worked in the game industry, I worked at a company. It was a very small company. The games, eh, some of them were successful. A lot of them weren't, you know, or some of them were well-received. And, like, we got, we took a ton of flack. But isn't there a difference between, like, hey, people like this game or didn't like this game versus... We were contributing to the downfall of Western society. <laughs> well, well exactly. Yeah. exactly. The intellectual and moral but decline. Even even society. if you work on a project that is sort of widely panned, the people who, when you're working on it, working with a team that, like what you're saying, he's doing, you get a certain amount of gratification that you know you're doing your job well. But you know, it's, the end product, you might like. Sorry, sorry. Wash my hands out of here. Yeah. Prank call, prank call. You know, and that's, you know, and like um, the last game that the company I worked for before I got out of gaming, uh, it was super widely panned for a lot of reasons. But I had a ton of fun working on it because I like the people I work with and the part I played on it working on the cinematics, I really enjoyed and I put everything I could into it for the nine months we had to work on the game, right. you know, on a limited budget. You you can't make excuses past the fact. Once it's out there, you just yeah, take but it. I, not in your defense, but I think that there's a difference between a game that gamers love and a game that gamers are like, eh, to, again, the real housewives of Atlanta. Yeah, that has no... That is no redeeming social value at yeah, all other right. than... Dude, I have my brain power is so small that all I can do is tune in and watch people like fight and hate each other. Well, and that's uh, that's why we talked about before. Uh, one of uh, Nikki and I's guilty pleasures is watching The Bachelor, The Bachelor Island, or whatever the hell it's called. Bachelor convicted. In Paradise. You're guilty and convicted. And <laughs> yeah. it is it is no, like sir, the pens. lowest common denominator. But I'm just never. It's like watching a train wreck every week, and it's you just love to. It's like what you're. You come on a game show, and in six weeks, you're like, he doesn't love me. It's like, and it's one of those shows that I'll watch it every week. Half the time, I'm sitting there playing on my iPhone. I'm not even, I'm just listening. You're and candy looking up, crushing it. I'm candy <laughs> crushing that <laughs> shrimp gun, boom, beaching it. 
And it's still a guilty pleasure. It's like I've I've watched a lot of episodes of Jersey Jersey Shore because oh. it's a train wreck. It's a humanity train wreck. Oh no! Yes, and I'm not saying that it's 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 dis- like you're saying it's disposable media. I will never go back and rewatch it, but it's 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 fun. It's well, it's I, stupid fun. You I know? had never even thought about Ron's point last week where he said like. Why the producers and the the creators of it are like, oh, we get this big ratings up front, and it's like awesome, and we're super cool. But on the back end, nobody ever comes back for a second watch. So money wise, there's yeah. not a lot of longevity and to I, it. I think that's what they're realizing yeah. now is that they they're seeing there's no replay value. That, hey, this is something that we're not we can make X amount of dollars, big money right now, and then it's gone. Yeah, because well, like, can you go, oh, I mean, reality been, TV? Yeah, okay. and, and it's like yeah. it's like that it's like that show yeah. the uh, called the Axemen. And they show these various uh, little small companies that go out and chop down trees. It's called yeah. the Axemen. Right. I've watched a couple of episodes. I've watched it's fairly, most seasons of it. it. It's it, pretty... It, it's okay. It's okay. It's fair, fairly... I would never rewatch it. I would never yeah. rewatch it. It's fairly set up. If it's on, I'll watch it. I won't actively go and record it, you know? But yet, something it's, like Lost or BSG, you would go back and watch over it. Yeah. 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 I mean, I For have sure. watched... And people have varying likes or dislikes about the Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I really enjoyed that series and we Brian have loves Buffy. We have rewatched that <laughs> we have rewatched that series and there was a lot of episodes at least three times. And while I don't like Buffy and Angel and all that stuff, I totally understand why people do. And I it's never not got one into, of the I never got into Angel. I loved the Buffy it's Universe. not. It's I not one of the Angel. ones I would pan just out, out and out. But I, it's just not for me. But I understand yeah, yeah, why yeah. people like it. Yeah, but see, that's that's to illustrate what you're talking about. Is that I would go back and rewatch Buffy again. I would never watch uh, another episode of Axeman or The Bachelor, or a, a rerun. It's like no. What am I? Who, what am I learning from this episode? <laughs> there is no depth to it. What you done? You done. What's sadder than the person that's watching that episode of The Bachelor for like the fourth time? Well, and you, you think about the way they have some of these. They? Some people love those. Uh, it's like watching like they love like sites like TMZ and stuff like that. And they love the gossipy National Enquirer, uh, Kim yeah. Kardashian culture, that type of thing. And they will go on Facebook and talk endlessly about each of the people on The Bachelor. And I, it's like, no. They're a bunch of idiots. I want to see the train wreck once. Well, and and how can and you even believe? It. How can you even believe that that is actually reality? It could be just all scripted and they're acting. And right? and I've that's why I can sit there and mostly play on my iPhone because it is really apparent that they 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 cut it the way they want to cut it. To make, well, that too, to make yeah. people into villains and well, I think you know, that they're, it's heavily edited and redacted. It's super, to, and to, they 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 when they're in, I don't interviewing, think there's, no, there's no need to script it because i think you get nine idiots 10 25 idiots in a room i think the drama will ensue. well they, they dramatic the, bad behavior is is more uh you know desirable every, every to season the producers and, than uh the straight laced you know folk you know they very they carefully want, they want the, the crazies contestants and they're they're every season there is who how crazy is this person or and then there's the evil person. You know they have it's like a soap opera, and they and they they make sure that you get your feel of he's going to pick her again, 
and yeah. keep her on and then <clears throat> the tearful goodbyes. It's all Oh yeah, it's we, very we do that opera. with other shows that we've watched, you know, like the um Project Runway oh. and uh, Top Chef, you know, it's like, okay, why is this person still on there? Why are they keeping on there? Well, because they're a problem child that, that yes. brings interest in ratings. It's you know? entertainment. Have, have you ever seen that? Uh, that uh, is it? Have you ever seen that <laughs> show with um, uh, David Navarro that where they the tattoo artists series where they uh, bring all these up? The in girl. The, uh, what's her name? Cat, 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 Cat D. Cat. No, not, uh, I know which one you're talking that's about. This LA one, Inc. LA, yeah. uh, that's LA Inc. This is another show to where they have like three oh, judges. Oh, it's a reality show. Yeah. It's a contest they, thing. Yeah, they yeah. bring in for tattoo artists. Yeah, for tattoo. And no, it's really, yeah. it's really interesting. Every week they have different challenges, and some artists are really good at one thing, and then they put them out their comfort zone by making them do like art. Is that Nouveau. show still on? It's still. I think it's still on, and it's. I've recorded because that's some sometimes i'll run it in blocks like episodes in blocks of previous seasons yep. and i'll record like like a few, on gay tuesday uh, i think i'm hoping <laughs> i can always hope um because it's compelling and they always have the one of the tattoo artists is the badass who's going to talk a lot of trash and like get up in people's faces and you have the the bitchy girl who's going to backstab and cry and then backstab some more you know and they that's the premise for every show on Broadway <laughs> yeah, every reality well show. I know exactly. like I don't know is is uh what were you guys talking about rock uh, runway project, project, project runway. runway is that the one where they design the dresses yes mm-hmm. like I love I have watched some of that I like the design process of it mm-hmm. I like the presentation and them talking about like how that fits into like oh this is a blah and this is a blah and they're like oh, I can't feel this because this isn't within the theme I like all of the design aspects I could give a shit with the other 45 minutes of the cat fighting and I don't like your dress and you don't like my dress and I'm going to scratch your eyes out, bitch. <laughs> I, I could care less about that and literally it's a 15-minute show for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah they stretched out to here's the challenge. Here's the stuff. <clears throat> what did you make? Well, and that, that's what I like about shows like LA Inc., uh, uh, the, that tattoo show where it's, it's real artists that and the, the the stuff they it's really attractive in a lot, and sometimes some of them just butcher stuff, and that's on somebody. A living person is like, but oh, you, that's what killed her show, that. though. Oh. That, I think you're that's a perfect example because that's what killed her show was the the reality aspect of it because she was dating Nikki Six. Oh, you mean Cat uh, D? Cat D, yeah. Cat D was dating Nikki Six. She's a she's pretty much a train wreck. No, which they if they would have kept that all out of that, and it would have been about the tattoos and the shop and the process. But no, she had. Oh, my life is so amazing! You gotta got to come feel me. It became about I date Nikki Six, and then oh shit, John Wayne Wilson, whatever the fuck the guy's name is, it screwed over uh, Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. Yeah. I'm dating him now. And then as soon as that controversy came, they're like, we're done. And see, like we was talking about with Honey Boo Boo, is that personal stuff suddenly rears its head and it's not attractive to the, the corporation that is not, making the yeah, product. Yeah, the corporation was, was not about it. The yeah. people watching, I don't think they give a shit who she dates or fucks or whatever she wants to roll out there. What they wanted to see was like, hey, this is a pretty cool thing I do. I tattoo people in a way that's like super realistic and it, it's extremely personable to them. Like if they would have stuck with that, 
she'd still be on the air regardless of who she was dating or fucking on the side. I don't know. I, but she I she made it all about. I think like, people love that. What? No, because that show would still be on well, the air. Well, if the if the. They ixnayed uh, that as soon as that shit blew up the, with him. The people making the show ixnayed If they would have just said, we'll roll with this, people eat that voyeurism stuff up. They want to see the nasty little sorted details of people, well, then the people how people are famous and they mess themselves up. miss the boat then, if, 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 it, if, it, if that's what you're saying. Because I, I don't know that... like it, The money is there then if the people are going to continue to watch. I think they were like, this is going to become such a drag... And no one's going to watch it. We're going to fight all this publicity shit because she's doing this dude that does this other chick that used to be married to this. You know, the whole reality aspect of it, once that spun out of control, that's what killed the show. Yeah, well, yeah, it, it, I guess it's the people who, the companies that make certain shows, it's what their tolerance for risk is well, for more sure. than anything. But the semi-reality of it, like we do tattoos, we own a shop. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. I loved watching it for the aspect of the people that would come in and say, hey, I want a tattoo of my dad because my dad was this super cool guy. As a tribute or something like A tribute like that, yeah. and, you know, he got cancer when he was younger and I was 13 and... You know, we fought it together for four, you know, four years, and then he succumbed, and it's like the guiding light of my life. That I bought into. Like that's interesting to me. But who Kat Von D is fucking this week versus the next week? I'm out. It's funny. There's a, quite a few of these uh, tattoo-based shows. There's another series. I can't yeah, remember I've the name. It's it's horrible. like Tattoo Rescue or something like that. <laughs> it's people come in with these. Horrible, horrible right. uh, jacked up tattoos like chicken scratch looking things that people did in prison or they let their neighbor or, do it for $5 or they and they have to turn it into a work of art and that's a really neat show I mean, because yeah. they come in and they always have the, the people always have just these nasty tattoos it's just horrible looking no artistic quality to them and they have to figure out a way and make a, a neat design and hide it in it and that, right. that's really interesting how they do that that's cool to me yeah, as long as the cat D is not messing it up. I don't. As long as they can tell that story without telling me who cat D is banging that week out there, because <laughs> Brian is out. Yeah, that's um, stuff like that. I, I, there was a. Um, it used to be on Netflix, and they removed it a couple of years back. It was a a series called I think it was uh, 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 Art in the Twenty First Century, and they would just do these deep dive interviews with. Uh, modern artists on their uh, sculptors, painters, uh, and current contemporary artists, and it was really fascinating. And they do each episode; they do these deep dives on their process, uh, looking at their works, what they think about uh, the behind the scenes. You know how the sausage is made. You know that some of them make these huge works of art that they have to have all these assistants uh, help out with. Are we something good crazy? I think mm. we just crossed over the hour mark. Is it still recording? It's still recording? going. Okay. It, it can go an hour and 40 minutes. If you, it, I, I can't go an hour and yeah. 40 minutes. Yeah. Uh, if if y'all ever get a chance, it's not on, um, it's not on uh, Netflix anymore. Mm-hmm. It was really... It was I'm really, interested in that. It was a really interesting series. Because they, you know, they... 
people Did talked about. Did they go about, into uh, Jackson Pollock's deep dive into Jackson Pollock uh, process? <laughs> yeah, he, he, he painted the and inside of a toilet. Toilet, toilet scatological <laughs> man, he, uh, paintings. Man, he, he chipped the porcelain <laughs> with all them corn niblets yeah. and rat nuts. <laughs> a little callback to This one's called, my favorite's called 24 Minutes of Paint. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you need to call this episode. I went, d- <laughs> duh. <laughs> because it, it fits into the... 24 minutes of pain for, uh, hey, this show sucks. I'm going to watch it for 24 minutes. 24 minutes of pain because I might be in there eye pooping. <laughs> and it might be a painful process. So, uh, Sometimes. 40 minutes, uh, 35 minutes of pain for the, the lost peel session you lost mm, today. Yeah. That's so I think we recreated it. We did. Well. We, we did it justice. Yeah. I think we covered And we uh, points. carried forth the. Uh, the mystery of the lost peel sessions. Right, we may, we may, we've carried, we uh, represented it well. We may have lost some small nuggets of greatness, but <laughs> we nugget. may have also added some new ones. So. Yeah, Jackson Pollock nuggets. nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it, but but right. I was like rat nuggets. <laughs> that's right. Did you see the nuggets on that rat? <laughs> that's a, that, the thing about that that unbreakable air, uh, Kimmy Schmidt. She was it had nuggets. That, that little bit God, where she, she had nuggets. That little she bit had where, that act, where that a- actress was holding this rat, and it's obviously a rat that is this episode one. She is holding this live rat, and she is shaking the shit out. For of For a that show that you hated so much, we have spent so much. Time I, I'm gonna have to freaking watch this now to see this scene with this rat with a giant testicle. You know what? And, and they asked me to rate it right after I watched episode two, and I was like, "Can I give it a no star?" And I gave except, it a one. I gave it a one, except for them shaking that. And that dude yeah, on like, rat testicles alone, this episode's a five. She, Everything else, the thing that, zero. But she, yet we have given it so much attention. Yeah, forty five. Everybody, time. anybody that listens to this podcast is going to be like, I'm going to have to go check that, that, that out. I got to go, that, I gotta go watch that, this. That, that, that actress, stuff. She, she shook that rat so hard and so long that I was like, why is this rat not reaching back Oh my back God, that sounds her? like a good Saturday night, don't it? <laughs> Shaking my rat all evening long. Oh my goodness. Because she shook it all night long. Shaking the rat? Is yeah. that what they, the cool kids call it? ACDC did a song on that. Shaking the rat. <laughs> Bouncing the rat testes. Yeah. <laughs> rat nuts everywhere. All right, so before I'm we appalled. close. I'm not, I'm not coming here anymore if we're going to talk about things like that. What are, so do you guys. What, you most you, certainly will, and you will enjoy it. <laughs> What was Mike Mike's name that uh, oh that worked with us? He was the music guy. Squid, all Squid, went, Squid. Squid. Uh, so no last names, but Squid. We remember we all went down to the Austin Squid. that time. The Squid. Yeah, and we went to that open air bar, and yeah. he was doing his impression of the guy from the Will Smith video. <laughs> no, from the movie from uh, the Men first in Men in Black. The dude that the... have you seen my cat? That guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, lady. <laughs> I, think, I think I remember him doing that. Impression. So we were all down there, drunk as shit, in that bar in Austin, <laughs> and um, he's doing the how you. He starts out with movie quotes and yeah. transitions into the uh, what's the guy's that. name in the movie. I gotta look that his, up. His, it's the farmer. It's the farmer guy that. Yeah, uh, his wife is in. Oh, us Edgar. Edgar is the guy's name. Oh yeah, but that was nothing but a guy in an Egger sack, and um, so he's doing Egger. He's doing Egger's voice as he's going through the, um, which is a guy from Full Metal Jacket. He's going through the whole thing, and 
then a squid yeah. transitions into Edgar talking about how he would tell a girl to give him a better blowjob. Do you remember this, Ginger? I do. And he's like, you get it, you get ball, ball, like, don't forget my balls. He's doing that whole thing. And the whole, like, 20, 30 people around us start to complain. Like, this guy, you guys have got to settle this guy down. And you and, and Amy was there, right? Yeah. You and Amy are like, you guys got to get him to stop. And I'm like, no, this is com- comic genius. If he's getting all these people riled up and, mm-hmm. and you, uh, Mike and I and Ron could not stop laughing. Yeah. But it was the whole Egger giving the the girl instructions on how to give her bl- better blowjob. Yeah, was, it was it was Vincent Do, uh, Do, Dorfino. Dorfino, Dorfino, yeah, yeah. Oh god, and that was got, a good you, night. You gotta hook a brother up with some ball action. That's what he Ron, keeps saying. Yeah, Ron's. <laughs> I remember that. him on Facebook. We, yeah, I found him on Facebook. Sweet. The squid. I have to the, follow. Yeah. The squid. The squid. Well, that's good. Uh, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for. Suffering through Paul uh, 20, knocking 20, the, the equipment over again. 20, or, <laughs> or the more likely, or, or better, the, the, behind door number two is Brian fat fingering. Is, the, it, the is it more button. likely? I don't know if you considered all the probabilities. Um, so we're done, I think. Cool. 24 minutes of pain. 24 minutes of pain, episode four. A.K.A. Rat nuts. Rat nuts. <laughs> Rat nuts. <laughs> and you have to put that 24 minutes I don't have to do Yeah, mine, AKA. but I don't have to. I don't have, nobody's telling me what to do. Damn. I know. Hook a brother up with some ball action. <laughs> We're done. Bye. Later. Thanks for listening to that segment of the Binge Watch Podcast. You can find us online at www.bingewatchpodcast.com, on Twitter at BingeWatchPC, and on YouTube and Facebook by searching for Binge Watch Podcast.